Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in The Canon Canon. Faster than a speeding ticket, more powerful than a SWAT team, and up, up, and away, the funniest superhero of them all. Welcome to the Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I am Frank Garcia. Super, super. <laughs> Hell. Oh, I was wondering which one you would go with <laughs> on this multi-titled Italian masterpiece of a film we are doing today. This is, of course, the Canon Canon, the podcast where we talk about Canon films and all of their amazing output. And this is also the podcast where sometimes we do our special Could Have Been a Canon episodes. Could and that is what have been a canon. Could have been. <laughs> and that is what we are doing today. And today is today is a very special could have been a canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got a Patreon, patreon.com backslash the canon canon. First canon has two ends, as you all know. And one of the benefits of one of our Patreon levels is if you're a Patreon member for a certain amount, you get to pick what can- what film we film for our could have been a canon. You pick a could have been. And today is our first one. We, 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 we haven't had our Patreon for so long. And the cycle has started to hit where we've got a bunch of could have beens in a row yeah. coming up. Uh, and today's uh, today is a fantastic pick. Already, I'm excited about Me too. the picks that we've been getting. Like, yeah, yeah right. Like, yeah, it's because you know we set ourselves up. We we could have been setting ourselves up for a screw job, and I'm not yeah. saying that we're not going to get screwed by some of our Patreon members. We love you all, but you know, there's a lot of movies out there, and there's a lot of things <laughs> that could be chosen. And today, though, is the opposite of that. Today is a super fun one. It is 1980. Uh, Yes. Is a questionable year, probably. Uh, Yeah. uh, And uh, yeah, uh, Italian release, 1980. American release, 1981. Exactly. So today is the 1980 slash 1981 Super Fuzz, a.k.a. Super Snooper. A.K.A. Oof, po, the name that I cannot say, but the person who picked it can pronounce it better. Poliziato oh, yeah. Super Pew. You, you know if I'm talking about Italian films, I'm going to go off for a while and also pronounce them all terribly. I don't even know how to really say Poliziotechi most of the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so today was picked by a uh, good friend of the pod and a uh, good friend of us, uh, uh, a wonderful man named Chris Norris. Uh, and we're, we, one of the benefits of picking a could have been a can is you also get to record your own intro and Chris did a fantastic job. I, you know what, Jeff, listening to this intro, uh, I was like, oh, that's how you make it succinct to the point. <laughs> he did so much in these four minutes we're about to hear. That yeah. takes us 20 minutes to do. <laughs> I mean, we never said we are professionals. We no, are but, just man, people Chris who do fucking, podcasts. He nails it. He nails it. So He uh, nails it. So, yeah, without further ado, let, uh, we want to play the intro from him. Yeah. Here is Chris Norris of why he picked Super Fuzz. 
Hello, listeners. This is Christopher Norris. Some of you may know me as graphic designer Steak Mountain, but probably not. Hopefully not. And my pick for this could have been a canon episode is Sergio Corbucci's 1980 superhero cop comedy, Poliziotto Super Pewee, a.k.a. Super Snooper, a.k.a. Super Fuzz. Starring Italian comedy cowboy Terrence Hill, Ernest Borgnine, Julie Gordon from the Thanksgiving classic Blood Rage, as well as a pretty alright rogues gallery of character actors like Lee Sandman, Mark Lawrence, Herb Goldstein, and Sal Borges as a character named Paradise Alley, which is a great name for a fucking character, and who should be recognizable to anyone who's ever sat through at least a few spaghetti westerns and or violent Italian cop films. So the reason I picked Super Fuzz is, you know, well, it's an awesome movie by an awesome director starring maybe not so awesome a leading man, but a perfect fit for this. Maybe his best role or my favorite role of his. You know, he made his bones as a great goofball in a stack of westerns and buddy picks with Bud Spencer. Then the uh, 60s and 70s in Italy and in, you know, some people love him, but I don't really love him, but he's perfect in this, you know, and so whatever. But like more on task, you know, for the canon episode here, I, I picked Super Fuzz because it it reminds me of the sort of production Golan and Globus would have been involved with in the early years of canon, you know, the pre-psychotic macho stunting canon we all know and love, you know, where it could have rubbed elbows with chafed gems like Dr. Heckle and Mr. Hype or The Apple and, you know, maybe the Happy Hooker movies. And, you know, and also the reason I picked it is because the film was released uh, by Avco Embassy in the U.S. And I think of Avco as a, as a canon without the showmanship, without the personality, which is no slight on Avco or any of the other production houses at that time, like, you know, New World or whatever. But Canon had its own stamp, and that's what we remember, and obviously that is why we're here today. There's no Avco Embassy fucking bros podcast going out there, or maybe there is, but I've never heard of it. Why would you? Yes, there should be a podcast about Vice Squad, you know, and it would be a great, could have been a Canon episode, but I'll go ahead and let somebody else pick that one, you know. And for those of you unfamiliar with Super Fuzz, Terrence Hill plays a rookie cop in Miami named Dave Speed, who, after delivering a traffic ticket to a Native American reservation in the Everglades, has a standoff with an alligator playing King of the Hill in his police-issued swamp dinghy. And when Speed shoots a heaven-bound warning shot instead of just fucking killing the gator like a normal Florida pig, the bullet explodes an experimental rocket that NASA has launched nearby, causing red plutonium to rain down on Speed and blessing him with every superpower ever. Like, really, like, ever. You know, he's the entire Marvel Universe in one man. You know, and does he have telekinesis? Yeah. Super strength? Definitely. Can he walk on water? Jesus Christ, yes he can. Can he talk to fish? Sure. And you know, with that super strength, obviously he's invincible. Until he sees the color red. And uh, that causes him to just be a normal boring cop again. And, and, and it's, you know, it's like, it's important to note that this is just like the first 12 minutes of the movie. There is so much more. But... I shouldn't spoil the bubblegum fun for Jeff and Frank, so I'm going to go ahead and stop here and, and just say, if you were born before, let's say, I don't know, fucking 1980, your parents had cable or stole cable, which was the case in my house, you may have a hazy memory of seeing Superfuzz any one or more of the trillions of times HBO programmed it in the early to mid-80s, which was the case for me. It played fucking nonstop, and it liquefied my kid brain after every viewing, of which, again, there were probably hundreds, thousands. And, you know, also is a, is a movie that I considered to be a key step, maybe even the first step, in me wasting my life chasing movies around, especially the odd ones, you know, because even then I sensed this was not like the normal money movies I was used to seeing, and 
I wanted more and 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 more until, you know, whatever. Uh, now I'm 44 and I can talk to you all fucking day long about Corbucci's early 70s shift from movies about violent men to movies about silly men, but I still don't know what a 401k really does. So whatever. It's a life well lived. Whatever, you know, it's, no one needs to know that shit when you know a bunch of stupid shit about fucking 70s exploitation movies made in Europe, you know. It's, it's good info to have. Um, so anyways, to wrap this intro up to the Could Have Been a Canon episode, let me just say that if you like goofy movies taped together by grizzled Italian genre directors that just happen to star a Looney Tunes version of Franco Nero doing superhero cop shit, well, then you you might end up fucking loving Superfans. Fantastic, fantastic intro. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, Chris, is a, Chris is a great man. Uh, he, he gave some of his credits there, but I also, you know, Chris is... Chris is one of the few people I've known for a very long time. Uh, our bands uh, toured together uh, uh, at old points in our lives. Uh, he has done artwork on a bunch of my band's records. Uh, but he's also... Uh, what Chris, was his band? Sorry. Uh, he was in uh, Combat Wounded Veteran, and he also played in Reversal of Man. Uh, cool. We also briefly had a band together called Exercise, uh, that we wrote a bunch of songs, and I remember one practice, he blew out the uh, blood vessels in his eyes. Oh, my <laughs> screaming God. Screaming so hard because it had been a while since he had screamed. Uh, <laughs> stupidly, we never finished recording or writing those songs, but they, they were very good, I remember. Uh, just uh, uh, as, as a lot of projects happen, they fizzle out. Uh, Warner put it in the vault and it got lost in the fire. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Oh, wait, was that Warner or was that Universal? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Oh, it might have been Universal, right? I, I'm sorry if I'm remembering wrong, but I think because didn't the Back to the Future set get like all destroyed? Yeah. Because uh, that was right next to the demos for exercise. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a really exactly. sad day. <laughs> I'm sorry you lost those to time. Yeah, but he's also an amazing Maybe. illustrator, Steak Mountain, uh, uh, and uh, a great writer. As he might have mentioned, his book, Hunchback 88, love it. Uh, but Chris is also one of the first people that like I, I was always into genre uh, and mostly would talk about it uh, with uh, the singer of Orkin Panthers, my oldest friend, Jay Green, uh, growing up. But also, it you know, it was a world that I felt like even when I got to film school, I realize now, like, I didn't talk about it with anyone. Like, I mean, everyone kind of knew that's the stuff I was into. But also, it was film school in the fucking late 90s. Like, all we were talking about was fucking Rushmore. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then when I met Chris for the first time, it was like one of the first times where I was like, oh, this guy speaks my language. And it's not just even we'll go toe to toe. We'll, like, keep me on my toes. Uh, because he has such a, a depth of knowledge about this stuff um, and about all of film uh, in general. I mean, he's, obviously, from that intro, yeah. you can you can tell. Yeah. And he's just a great guy. He's just super fun to talk to about all this stuff. Uh, you know, it's like him, Jay, Berdan, all those kind of film friends who are, uh, you know, beyond film friends as well. But yeah, I, I'm so glad he picked this movie. Uh, it, I also, because he's Norris and we kind of had a back and forth, I was like, man. 
what scummy movie is he going to pick for us? Like there's because there's just like and that's also part of the fun of it is because I was and you know, and he thought, but it's just like, well, canon, if it's a could have been a canon, he could delve into some deep cut scummy movies. Oh, yeah. And I appreciate that he gave us Super Fuzz because it's also uh, like it totally makes sense why he picked it and is on the opposite spectrum of what I would have imagined him picking, which is super fun about it. Um, yeah. As he mentioned in uh, his intro, like, yeah, this this movie was like a staple of HBO. HBO. Um, when did, did I, I had only really seen, I've realized as I was rewatching, I've only really watched it once. Uh, mm. Had you seen it growing up? Was it one you saw? No, there were parts of it that I was like, I very, I, I'm pretty certain I saw it when I was very, very young. Right. Like maybe four, you know? Sure. Um. But I remember I had seen uh, I, uh, trailers from hell, you know, where uh, the Joe Dante thing where he has different directors talk about yeah. um, different movies and stuff. And uh, Eli Roth, <laughs> which, you know, we, we have our own thoughts on Eli Roth. <laughs> yep. but Eli Roth had picked Super Fuzz to talk about in his trailers from hell thing. And I remember being like, oh, I got to. I got to watch that. Right. It looks fun. I got to like save that. But uh, time and everything just kind of got away from me and I never watched it. So I was really, I was like, oh, cool. I can't wait to watch this. And um, spoiler, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. it's super fun. Yeah. It's one of those because like, as it got mentioned, like he, uh, it was a Sergio Corbucci movie. Um, and I. Sergio Corbucci. Corbucci. Oh, come on. I'm watching my movie. <laughs> And if you're an Italian genre guy, especially like you, you, if you've watched Corbucci, you've seen, you know, if you've watched Italian genre, you've seen Corbucci. And yeah. the, the main one, if you're just like picking out it, is Django. Like he yeah. did Django. Django that movies, is, yeah. That is like the beginning of the Django movie uh, craze. Uh, because, you know, Italians and their copyrights. It's just like, well, that was <laughs> vaguely successful. Let's make a billion of them. Um, and, uh, but like Corbucci also, uh, Corbucci in my mind is also someone I would always merge. Like, because it's just, I, I, you know, you watch a lot of it and all the names start to merge together. <laughs> like of, the spaghetti Western stuff, you mean? Of like everything, because that's the other part. I mean, that's why it plays into it, is like every single one of these Italian genre directors did everything. Like yeah. they did the Polizio Tetchi movies. They did uh, Giallos. They would also do spaghetti Westerns. They do funny spaghetti Westerns. They do regular comedies. They do sex romps. Like they did kind of everything. So that's why you'd watch some weird yeah. Fulci movie where like, I am not seeing any gore in this. Um, uh, <laughs> and so, but like, I would like kind of, you know, when you're really delving in, you'd start to get lost in the murkiness of who did what. Because they also all, a lot of those titles, that's why I love them and hate them, is they all kind of merge into yeah. just, like, they're picking random word generators to be, like, you know, the, the man who spoke liberty. Or, like, <laughs> like you know, shoot first, question my face later. Like, it's just, like, whatever <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. And yeah. I would always merge him with Sergio Martino, who I love a lot. Um, uh, and is might be one of my favorite. Like, I mean, he did, uh, I never get this name right, but Manaja, uh, the man they call Blade, uh, Torso, 
uh, and your vice is a locked room, and only I have the key, which is one of my favorite giallos. I named that goes into the titles you were talking about. Exactly, like, your leg, the sun, my sister. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and that's like, and I love that one so much that I named a band after it. Like, your vice <laughs> is a locked yeah. room is a fucking record, but like, uh, yeah, but Corbucci. So like in all that too, you would not imagine, much like all these directors, that Corbucci would have done this movie. Like, you, when you watch it, you're like, yeah, connective tissue's kind of there, and that happens again with a lot of Italian genre of that time, where the whole, you have to almost remind yourself of like, really? Like, this is Corbucci? <laughs> like, are you kidding me with this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is the guy who did the great silence, was like yelling at Klaus Kinski to go fucking yell some more in the snow while they're shooting people to death. Uh, but yeah, it, it it is a it's a wild ride of movie. But it's also why I I'm the same as you as like I must have seen bits and pieces because when I finally watched it, it was like, oh, this vaguely sounds familiar. Like and and like this scene seems familiar. Yeah, and it's also why it's also a beautiful Italian film. Like clearly both made for kids and not all at the same time. You're like, <laughs> right, right. Kind of appeal. But like my weird uh time of seeing it was actually not until UCB era, where like mm-hmm. I started doing uh mod teams, the sketch house teams, and I was on a team with this guy, Dave Thunder. Uh yeah, I and, remember Dave, yeah. yeah. and Dave Thunder was like a, a a genre guy as well. He really loved like 80 slashers, but I would start to talk. I tried to name the team we were on Django, uh, actually. I just realized, and I mm. hated that people were angry because the Star Wars movie had just come out, and they are like, it's going to sound like Django Fett or whatever. Yeah. Like, and I was like, no, this Django is the coolest name. But like, he- no, it's Django Reinhardt. Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I even pulled Django Reinhardt. I was like, it's got multiple meanings. But yeah. <laughs> either way, he knew they knew I was into fucking Italian film because I wouldn't shut up about it. Uh, and yeah. then he's like, oh, my one of my favorite movies of all time is an Italian movie. It's Super Fuzz. And I had never fucking seen it. And so when he let me borrow his DVD and then also... Dave Thunder, I loved you, but you're you're an odd man. Sometimes he got, I definitely got in his head once where he was like, "I don't think Jeff's returning it. I'm gonna force him to return it to my house like today." <laughs> and like it was like a kind of out of nowhere. I had to like drive to his apartment, and I just remember kind of thinking like, "I watched this movie. You don't need it today. Like you can yeah. wait a little bit." But yeah, I watched it and was just like flummoxed because it was not what I thought it was gonna be. Like, and I was like, this is not Italian horror. This is not even spaghetti Western. I don't know what this movie is. Uh, And, and yeah, like watching it, this was the second time I've watched it and watching it the second time. Loved it. It's so fucking fun. But also still, like, I think now watching it even with like more learned eyes, it is (laughs) like, what is going on? But also... Totally makes sense of what's going on when you watch it. Like, thinking about Italian cinema, I think, even as a whole. Like, uh, it it makes sense for why things are happening and also why things just do not make sense in this fucking movie. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, like, little, like, flourishes. Even though it's shot in Miami. Yep. There's just that little bit of, like, you could just tell, like, something's something's off a little bit from our American aesthetic. Right. Which is also has, that's partly why it's also, it could have been a canon. 
Yeah. Like it, it's it could have been a canon because there are so many hanging ideas, which if it was an Italian film, I definitely would be like, this has got to be a canon because it feels like something got lost on the editing floor or they <laughs> thought they were explaining something. <laughs> yeah. And then other parts, like I'm just like, I when I remember that Corbucci did it and it's Italian production, you're like, oh, Right. Whenever I talk about that, the kind of uh, insane internal logic that exists in a like Italian horror film still exists in this. You're like, okay, I guess I'm just going to go with that choice. <laughs> like, I'm going to accept that it could have been that they edited out a scene or they thought it made sense. <laughs> like they thought it made sense unless I missed it that he was eating beads, <laughs> like stuff like that. Like, oh yeah 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 so we'll the get into scene. our catchphrase yeah. we'll get into the beads um but yeah so should we do we have any facts on uh super fuzz aka uh, super snooper yes yeah, so, sort of i mean not not <laughs> too much because like you know it said that it uh according to imdb it was released september 18th 1981 in america and it didn't really get uh from what the snoop the super snooping i did um <laughs> super snooper super super uh for a long time i thought it was saying super super i mean yes i showed it to my kid and he was singing super super all day so you're not wrong <laughs> yeah um but yeah it, it it apparently it didn't make it to american theaters it just went to hbo okay so Technically, like I didn't, I couldn't find a budget for it, which also weirdly does kind of make sense. I'm realizing because when we stump, and I could be slightly wrong on this fact, even though I'm claiming it makes sense, it's like when we stumble down that we're going to be able to watch The Hitcher and like Buckaroo Banzai. I think that's all part of some weird European HBO deal. So, like, I do, there's clearly dealings uh, that HBO had with buying bulk, which is why we talked about it. You know, it's why Canon is so much like we saw it on HBO, but also why probably they were just like, all right, like as, as Norris mentioned, like Avco, they'd be like, yeah, sure. Fuck it. We'll buy. Yeah. Like how many, how many movies can we get for that amount of money? (laughs) Sure. We'll play them anytime. I mean, that still happens with like DVDs you find on Amazon for a while there. I was buying like, you know, like alien movies, uh, monster movies and stuff. They're all like Italian or, like horror mm-hmm. films and they're all like lesbian vampire films from Italy, you know, like, <laughs> yes. like I, that I had like just DVDs and DVDs of that stuff that I can't even remember the movies that were on it, but they're like 25 movies on one uh, DVD. I know? remember when we, for yeah, five bucks, my brother was psyched to start finding those. Like he was just like, get a load of this, like 50 zombie movies <laughs> on five discs or something. And then you're like, you're like, what yeah. the fuck is this one? Like, and then there are those yeah. hidden gems in there. Um. Yeah. The again, copyright out the window, and also probably legal rights of who's owning what <laughs> way out the window. But go on. But yeah, there's no, there's no, uh, uh, but or like a gross that I could find. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, the top ten movies of 1981, we had Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, Nine to Five, Stir Crazy, Kramer versus Kramer. Any which way you can, Private Benjamin. Coal Miner's Daughter, Smokey and the Bandit 2, The Blues Brothers, Ordinary People. And there's only 56 movies listed on Box Office Mojo. Okay. So I know there were canon films released during that time. There's a lot of other films. That, but as far as like that goes, it it's it probably wouldn't have even showed up because it didn't get released in the theaters. Yeah. 
Um, but I, it's so funny because I every every time I kept typing in Super Fuzz, I was like, "All oh, right, the Univox, very famous pedal, yeah, uh, Super Fuzz pedal." Which uh, one of my favorite bands, Ringo Death Star? They have a shirt that's like the Mud Honey shirt, right? Right. You know how they have the Big Muff shirt? They have one that's a Ringo Death Star with the Univox Super Fuzz shirt. Because Mud or, Honey uh, is Super uh, Fuzz Big Muff, right? The yeah. EP or whatever. I almost. I mean. Wouldn't it be nice to think that that's where the pedal company got their name from? Like. <laughs> from the, the yeah. <laughs> they all went out for drinks and they went to a movie they caught, uh, or they were watching HBO, they caught Super Fuzz, and they're like, say, wait a second. <laughs> that's a great name for, that's how they talk. Hey, that's a great name for uh, pedals. <laughs> and then one dolt's like, yeah, Super Snooper is a pretty good name for a pedal. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> You're not cool. Fine. I'm you can't starting work at Univox. <laughs> I'm starting my own company. It's called Big Muff. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Go the work history. at DOD, you heck. <laughs> and that was the man who came up with the HM2 pedal. And we have him to thank for the entire old school Swedish death metal sound. <laughs> and thank you, Super Fuzz, is ultimately what we're saying. Corbucci, yeah. you did it again. <laughs> uh, Tangent aside, uh, music. Oh, I actually loved the music on this. A uh, cocaine disco. Oh baby. Oh baby. Yeah, there's... I loved it. I want to find this on Vine. I'm gonna go to Discogs after this, and I'm gonna find this shit because I want it. Yeah, there, there is no actually, but this is just straight up. Like the music is fucking golden. It was uh, the oceans. Yeah, uh, La Bianda, uh, which was Carmelo and Michelangelo La Bianda. They were pioneers uh-huh. of Italian disco. Um, and yeah, man, that especially that fucking I mean, you're not escaping the theme song. Oh yeah. Every single time he does it, it's something. He's you're gonna hear Super Snooper. <laughs> like My favorite was the one like that was an instrumental, like especially towards the end when he's talking to the fish. There's this one instrumental that plays kind of at different points. Uh, oh, by the I, way, yes. When he's talking to the fish, just <laughs> we threw that in there. Yeah, like, you know that part. <laughs> but yes, what was that? That instrumental was golden. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it was like it kind of like reminded me like again early Depeche Mode, kind mm-hmm. of like very synthy, like yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's so well, so good. I think because it was also refreshing. I mean, that is a part of uh, you know Italian genre. You're gonna get a lot of. Uh, either Goblin generated or Fabio Frizzi generated or the kind of like uh, clones of those. Uh, and it's exciting when Goblin starts to do kind of disco-y stuff uh, as well. When like Teneb- Tenebre or whatever it is uh, yeah. pronounced, can never pronounce these names right, even though I've watched them for many years. But when those start to get a little bit more disco-y, Claudio Simonetti's like, all right, let me start do that. But this is, it's exciting when it is just basically straight up Italian disco. And this is one of the best. Oh, I mean, yeah. and here's the weird part. So when it starts, so like I immediately was like, oh, right. This theme song is the best. Like it is so yeah. good. But I also had to stop it because I was driving me nuts because for the first time, it's one of the songs you hear in and out. But it was also for the first time that I was like, what the fuck does this sound like? And I had to like sit for a while and think about what it was because I was like, is it from a eight, like a 70s like TV show? Like not Dukes of Hazard, but something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And it has that yeah. vibe. And then I was like, wait, is it from the Every Which Way But Loose soundtrack? 
Like, does it sound like something like that? But here is what, after my super snooping (laughs) that I did on my own. Okay. It sounds a lot like a very specific Paul Williams song. It is a song off of A Little Bit of Love. It's a song called The Family of Man, which is one of my favorite songs by Paul Williams. It's one of my favorite songs on that record. But if you took that basic, like, and I know it's just a basic, what ends up being basic Italian disco kind of beat. But if you did it, like, a little bit slower, uh, it's like, don't, don't. Down, 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 down. It was like, and even the phrasing of it, and this song came on 76, I think. We all know Paul Williams is the best. There's, I, yeah. I'm going to say it right now, and I'm then probably some super fans will point out some think pieces were like, yeah, dummy. They've been saying it for years, but I got a feeling that song was a big influence on the super snooper like song. I mean, Italian, Paul Williams, do you remember when uh, he did that movie with the guy from Critters, uh, the kid from Critters, where he turns into a frog, and he, <laughs> the kid from Critters, he's like, you could talk, and he's like, I know, and he gives him like love <laughs> advice and stuff. No. He has his voice, Arlo. Basically, the voice I was doing earlier, <laughs> Paul the kid's Williams? name is Arlo in it. Paul Williams turns into a frog? Yeah, let me look it up. Uh but uh, while I'm looking this up, um, that the the music kind of has like um, this like at that time like there was country music was kind of starting being big and so was disco. So sometimes there was a little bit of a crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I, I like to call it disc a uh, disco y'all. It is so, disco y'all because <laughs> it's like it's it's so like it's kind of got a little bit of country flavor. Well, it's got in some yeah, of the parts. And it's got, the, but then it's got the bump that you're like kind of looking for, and it's like the little bit more. I mean, it, it, it's like, and and this is something I meant to look up, and I don't remember. Like Norris was actually telling me Juan to mention it because I was about to say like Eastbound and Down. Uh. But he, like, we have to do that. This is one where I should have looked up. And But I think Norris mentioned that he thought that there's a scene in Eastbound and Down when Kenny Powers is watching Super Fuzz. Oh, he might. Yeah. Which I would totally make that. sense, right? I mean, yeah. they're they're the same children that we were. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. And, and but yeah, the country or disco y'all definitely makes sense. I mean, it is the same. Whoa, frog. Okay. Yeah. And guess who else is in it? As you can see, I just showed Jeff the poster for it. Shelley Duvall, Elliot Gould, Scott Grimes, who's the kid from Critters, uh-huh. and Paul Williams. Here's the thing. I was about to say, before you even said Shelley Duvall, is it part of Shelley Duvall's... Remember she did those kid that kids here of like the right. Mother Goose tales? Recall? Robin Williams was the uh, frog prince. Right. Uh, I wonder if this is a precursor to that. Or if it was part of that series somehow. Like, I mean, or it's just like all I don't in the think same so. world. This was, I remember seeing it on the Disney Channel Weird. and just thinking, because like it says, a kid experimenting with frogs finds that one of the subjects can actually speak. Man. And it's Paul Williams, and he's this Italian, like, Arlo, you have to go talk to her. <laughs> Paul Williams, I love you so much. We love you so How much. How Sparks is in it. How yeah, Sparks uh, is in it. Okay, that, that is, now I know what era we're talking here with frogs. <laughs> Elizabeth Berkeley, like... <laughs> Hal Sparks, yeah, the person I was shocked that showed up on VH1 talking head shows out of nowhere. Oh, right. <laughs> this is like, okay, 1988. Sure. Wow. Okay, great. And it's only 54 minutes long, so it must have been made for TV. Oh, yeah. That totally makes sense. It, I mean, I, I think... 
I don't know. Here's the thing I want to say about Super Fuzz that I was really... Well, I just mentioned the Eastbound and Down thing and Country Y'all. Uh, I all... Like, e- even though we're saying this thing influenced by something else, I also throughout kept putting down semi-facetiously, but also a little bit where I was just like, is this an influence on other things? Like, is this an influence on... Like, even the intro... And I could be wrong. I never watched the Mission Impossible TV series. Did they do this and that? Maybe they took it from Mission Impossible. But the fact that the intro over that song is scenes from the whole movie. Yeah, right. I was like, oh, this is like the Mission movies. Like, yeah. Now, granted, my son, again, I was showing him the song and he's four. And he was like, what are we looking at? What is that? Because it's in super <laughs> it's so crazy pixelated colors. and blown out color wise. You're like, what? Yeah. The? And you're like, but that was an Italian thing. Yeah. That was an Italian aesthetic, like especially with the sci fi movies mm-hmm. of that time. Or even like if you watch Pod People. Yeah. At the beginning of Pod People, they have a, 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 a footage from another movie <laughs> right. that they had out that they kind of blow out the saturation of. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like kind of in slow mo, like that jittery kind of slow mo that you could have on a camera and stuff. And it's feels it's, like it's, when it's you're an like, aesthetic. feels like when you're like, oh, I'm just going to steal this photo from online. And then you like get a real <laughs> fucked up PNG so file. <laughs> it's so pixelated. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, good enough. I'm tired of yeah. it. Oh, it's story. only like centimeters. <laughs> Uh, you know, like <laughs> tall. Well, totally misjudged how the internet works. Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I it, it's it, that intro. Like right away, you're kind of just like, well, we're in some for some fun here. Like it, mm-hmm. it's just. And again, I'm always excited. I'm excited that uh, the version we. So that's the other part too. You'll probably watch. You might watch different versions of this. Yeah. Uh, there's the we watched the dubbed version. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there is the original Italian version with subtitles that maybe is the one that's on Amazon. Um, uh, I kind of agree. Uh, Norris, like we, we were trying to decide and Norris said that he felt like actually listening to the original Italian started to get distracting. Um, because I bet you it's still dubbed Italian and then yeah, you have to we're mostly American actors. Yeah. And it's still, they're not doing the, uh, they're not doing the whole, uh, record sound. Uh, uh, thing because you know I, I can't remember if we talked about it or at one point recently I think it was a recent thing where it was like more information that I didn't know I heard it somewhere of like one of the reasons that happens beyond that they're moving quick and it's Italy and they're just used to it was that uh, uh, the government wanted to make sure that in movies they weren't doing anti-government stuff so they needed to like have time to put their own stink on it and it just kind of carried over because people were just used to it uh, yeah. combined with, again, that it was like, yeah, you've got a mishmash of every actor, like, from every country here, and that's how they do. That's one of the beauties of watching Italian film is where you'll be like, all right, Ernest's mouth matches, and maybe he's, oh, maybe that's an on-camera audio. That doesn't seem right. Wait a second. This guy's still <laughs> moving his mouth for a while. <laughs> like, this can't be working. Um, uh, I mean, speaking of dubbed, though, because uh, we again did watch the dub version. Oh, and I was psyched that they sh- that the title we had was Poliziato Super Pew, uh, yeah. the Italian version. Just fun to watch that come up. Um, so yeah, the main and then Ernest Borgnine, the Ernest Borgnine <laughs> in Poliziato no, Super Pew. Um, I am Borgnine, <laughs> a successor of Borg Eight. <laughs> 
Missed opportunity, people. I can't believe he was never right. in a sci-fi movie with just that name. <laughs> really blew it, America. Um, so yeah, it, it got mentioned again. It, uh, Norris had amazing info in this. Like we had uh, the star of this is Terrence Hill. Um, mm. He's an odd man. Uh, he's an odd actor. Uh, mostly did comedy and and comedy westerns. Uh, uh, My name is nobody. Uh, is a big one that he was in, which is kind of a little bit of a parody of spaghetti westerns. Did a lot uh with Bud. Oh, Bud Sherman is that his name? Um, I always blank on his name, but it was like kind of a comedy duo. Another guy would show up in every single fucking Italian movie. But as Norris said, and it, there's just no denying it, he really is just a fucking weird Franco Nero clone. It's it's hard yeah. to like, and they love doing that. They like that's why he's in a Django movie uh, as well after Django. So he basically ends up playing Franco Nero. Uh, he is like a weird stand-in. He was in Django: Prepare a Coffin. Great fucking title. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so fucking good. Which also that's double- just what you tell people when you're pissed at them. Prepare a coffin. Jeff, prepare a coffin. Oh, my God. Which I'm not sure I've ever seen. There's too many Django movies, so I've seen every fucking Django. There's no way they also don't blur all together. Um, I like that it's a reference to that he's got a Gatling gun in a coffin. Um, But, yeah, he's got the eyes of Franco Nero, but he also just has a fucking weirdness to him. Like, he is just, like, it makes sense. And it works for this because, yeah, what it is, as uh, Chris said, is that this is a a cop who gets superpowers uh, and then gets real goofy with it. Uh, It's it's a lot of set pieces. Um, But he there's something really unsettling about him. (laughs) You think so? I kind of got that a little bit, too. I think it was like I think it's like the eyes and the smile sometimes. Mm hmm. I think I think it's a little bit of like because he kind of fits in. We, we had mentioned Brett Easton Ellis recently, yeah, and it almost feels like he could have played like that kind of vapid, dangerous, you know, like murderous. Like he could have been a Patrick Bateman type of dude. Yes, I I said the same thing in my notes. I said yeah. that he explains stuff like he's Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, or like he's Hannibal. And like the Hannibal series, like it's like, yeah, there's this weird disconnect that doesn't come from the fact that he was trying to shoot a crocodile and then realized he didn't want to shoot a crocodile and then shoots a missile that then rains red plutonium rays down on him. Yeah. And that's why he's being weird. But like, it's the like, he keeps explaining how he does, how like what is happening, and he has that psychotic disconnect that's supposed to be funny, but does sometimes come across as just like, and then I murdered everyone. Ha ha ha. Yeah, well, so that's, that's, I think that's it, Jeff. I think not to get psychological here. Please do. But also, though. we're introduced to this character on death row that he had like basically a shocker situation. <laughs> yes. Like, like he's avoided like all these like deaths uh on death row and he's eating beans he's being weird already <laughs> yeah. like just eating all these beans and being like you know kind of being snarky about shit right. and then he's a cop which we already you know whatever politics we we have our issues but uh like that too on that layer and then the whole stadium scene 
where he just Thanos everyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like that's so there's a little bit of him just like fine with destruction and fine with kind of being like uh, uh, also abusing his power like as as a cop and a superhero. Mm-hmm. I think it's <laughs> so, right. He it that's the thing is like he's I think of why it also is I mean I'm assigning way too much I, again like whatever that's way too much weight on that but, but you know But that is that's one of the reasons that I love Italian films is you constantly and this is again it could have been a canon why it could be canon as well is like you're you're constantly watching especially Italian films being like does this make sense to them does this make sense to a culture maybe I don't understand, like a film culture I don't understand completely that I only know aesthetically from an outside? Like, or does this only make sense to Corbucci, Martino, uh, fucking Lindsay? Like, you know, just kind of like list off where like to them it might be total, it make total sense. It might make total sense that a human being would talk like this. Um, <laughs> it also leans into... The, again, the interesting part of these genre filmmakers who do every single genre where, like, master of none sort of thing. Like, where a lot of times you're like, yeah. you're actually the master of the spaghetti western, but, like, we're letting you do comedy. And as we've talked to many people talk about over the years, comedy can be hard. And so you've got a comedy that could be a different culture, but also sometimes it's just like, do you know what a joke is? Corpucci. So like but that, so you're left with yeah. you're just left with the fact that like if like the first 40 minutes of this movie especially is mostly Ernest Borgnine dealing with Terrence and not believing him, not understanding yeah. in the way that this You sound crazy. Exactly, constantly is like you sound crazy being the worst person in an improv scene. And <laughs> and no. Yeah, no, but ah Paul Speed, which is his name, Paul Speed, a great fucking name for the main character. Paul Speed. But so the, if you've got, I mean, it takes an hour for like the actual movie to kind of start of what it actually is, because <laughs> that's kind of how it works out. Like when they actually get into a plot about counterfeiters and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But in, in the way this odd man who either his brain was destroyed by red plutonium or he was always like this. <laughs> He thinks that he's describing things, but he's not really telling him, like, look, I'm going to level with you. I got hit by these rays. I have this superpower. Like, instead, he's, like, talking around it, and he is doing that odd Patrick Bateman Hannibal thing where he's fucking with people, where it's like, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a banker by trade, but or I'm a psychiatrist by trade, but mostly I murder people. Like, I eat their flesh. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. What a good joke. And then, like, it's that playing around but like he does it so much and it goes on for so long and he's doing it with those fucked up eyes and that fucked up smile that it's hard to not be like okay you're a creep and then his actions as you said play into that like yeah because as norris mentioned he has every single superpower so every time you're introduced new superpower you're just like what the fuck is going on and the way you're using it is kind of diabolical. <laughs> you know what? I, I just like what what I really love about this though is like the fact that it is like slightly off and it feels like it feels like when you're a kid playing with an action figure and there are no rules. Yes. We're just like, yeah, all of a sudden he's bulletproof. All of a sudden he's telepathic. All of a sudden he can talk to fish. All of a sudden He's indestructible, yeah. but not so fast. <laughs> right. If he sees red, 
Right. You know, then it's like, it feels like it, that's part of the joy of watching this movie for me is that offbeat sense of humor that's like, huh. And then the fact that it feels like if I were playing with, you know, uh, my, my Marvel toys as a kid, mm-hmm. those plastic ones, you know, which ones that don't really move that yes. well? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is the thing. And so you've got that toddler like playing style with. Again, like I do think it's like not discrediting that it is like a different film culture and a different culture that we also don't, even though he's doing this for an American market, it's why he wants American actors, why Terrence, uh, it changed his name, you know, because he wants to have a more American name. Uh, uh, it is still coming from that odd kind of, uh, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect of like a, a, a knowledge that we don't completely have. I, I've said it before, so I'll only say it quickly, yeah. but it is like when I was like, man, how do how how does Italy always so barren in these giallo films? And then I went to Rome for the first time. I was like, oh, right, it's the middle of the night and this piazza is totally empty. Like, this is how it works. This is the middle of like the equivalent of New York sort of thing. Um, yeah. And it's almost like, like, I remember like, you know a couple months ago my wife reading a thing about how like i think it was like japanese literature like it it comes from a different storytelling style where there's like four there's four acts and not three and even that littlest bit was like oh right like i i don't know that like i have to and and so if i'm reading it with like a american eye if i'm or i'm watching this with american eye it's hard and that's part of the fun but also can be part of the part that throws people off watching a Italian movie or a movie like this where you're like, am I supposed to be like, what the fuck is going on? And the answer is we don't know. I mean, just because like I've watched a billion of these and you've watched piles and piles as well, (laughs) we don't know sometimes. Like, I don't know what The Beans is all about. Like, I don't, yeah. Because he's on death row. Yeah. And he's at his final meal and his final meal is 14 plates of beans. I think the joke is, Jeff, okay. and I'm guessing here, right. just to have that champagne joke, he says, no thanks, champagne gives me gas. Right. But also, to illustrate another superpower he has, is that he can eat plates and plates of beans and not shit himself. Yeah. Or he wants to make it to where he, if he do, if this works, the, the, the electric chair... Then he just makes a fucking mess that yes. they have to clean up. Yeah, just a, a, a just a fucking nightmare. Just a of shit a show of a shit show. <laughs> yeah, just a splatter house of just horrors. Yeah, because this. Yeah, again, it's the movie starts with him going to get murdered, executed for killing his partner Borgnine. Yeah, uh, which we'll find out because they do an interesting structure of like yeah of starting at the 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 three quarters way. And then having him be like, I know what you're thinking, because that's the yeah. other part. <laughs> so they dub him. And yeah. this is a move that happens sometimes in Italian movies. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to dub with everyone has an Italian or a regular, like a uh, American voice. We're going to dub everyone so they have an American oh, voice. Oh, a regular Ameri- voice, Jeff? I know. Ameri- that's yeah. why okay, I, I see where your baseline it. is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am a monster, uh, <laughs> is what my baseline is. They dub everyone with an American voice because they're going for American market. But I, every once in a while, they'll just be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's let this guy have either maybe what is his original voice or I was like, but this sounds oddly German. Like, it's like, yeah. who would be Klaus Kinski's voice? And I'm not sure of the lineage <laughs> of who was doing his voice at that point. So, like, it's 
without subtitles too, sometimes I had to just be like, all right, I'm just going to let that one go. Like, I don't know <laughs> what he's saying. Yeah. But I also am now realizing we're talking about all this, like the culture stuff, etc. It's also keeping in mind and not discounting a little bit what we mentioned earlier on, like Master of None sort of thing. <laughs> like, we have to trust that Sergio Corbucci is funny. Like, he wrote yeah. it, and he directed it. So we have to bank on that he can tell a joke. I haven't watched a lot of Corbucci's comedies. I don't know if he can tell a joke. <laughs> so sometimes a joke it's might... It's another Corbucci comedy. <laughs> Welcome to the Corbucci Comedy Corner. <laughs> We're Corbucci going Corbucci over... <laughs> Comedy Fest. Look. Now happening in Anaheim. You've got your Carl Ryder. You've got your Corbucci. <laughs> All the classics. Um, but it's just like there are some times where I'm like, maybe the joke's not landing because he doesn't understand how to like deliver a joke like in this capacity of what it should be. Uh, yeah. And so like that's also, again, a lot of these time films, you have to just assume sometimes there's a logic in that he make he thinks we get what's going on with the gas and with him having right. been a bean fetish. Because I'm realizing as we're talking about this, and it's not, unless I'm remember misremembering, it's not enough that it's a, a complete theme, but there is a gas theme in this that isn't completely there, but like that bad guy who we realize is a counterfeiter after an hour because we're introduced right. to him and then later, finally, they tell us why. But like he's burping nonstop. That's like a joke. Right. Right? Yeah. And then because he has a nervous stomach. Because he's got a nervous stomach, which is maybe the opposite. And that's the thing, is like you would think they would set up like maybe you would think that Paul Speed would be like the flash in the TV show, the original TV show, the 80s TV show, like late 90s or early 90s, where it was early like, 90s, yeah. Yeah, early With 90s. John Wesley ship. Exactly. Yeah. Where it's like he didn't used to eat a lot and then he became the flash, his metabolism's crazy and he eats like 12 pizzas at a time. Uh, they do that in the CW uh, version, Jeff. Okay. I'm, sure I'm well versed in the Arrowverse. I know. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> but so, like, I was like, oh, maybe it's something related to that, but they don't really play it out. And it's much like there's a theme of. Paul Speed liking bubblegum, but not really. Right. <laughs> like, it's not really a thing, but it's enough that it's on the cover, the poster, one of the posters of him sitting on a rainbow, like, <laughs> menacingly chewing a bubblegum because the cup hat is over his eyes. <laughs> um, but, like, it's not really enough of a theme to be a theme. It doesn't happen enough, except for that it leads to the end where he's blowing a giant bubble. Which, it's all there, Jeff. It's setting it up. Oh, man. This is where usual suspecting this. We're piecing yeah. it all together. But is that what it is? Is the bean supposed to be connected to that he blows bubbles and that he's going to have enough gas? But beans, no, more man. it's farting. So I think it's just I think it's just a side gag. I think it's just being it's I think it's more of like, here's the way I say. I think you and I have the same sensibilities of like why we like say like Canadian comedy, mm -hmm. you know, like a kids in the hall. Like it's just slightly different from American aesthetics, but there's something that influences that comedy that makes it slightly left of center. And even like European horror or sci-fi. Right. That there's just like something that gives it this like extra, the reason why we like the music we like too. Mm -hmm. Like it just, there's something that's like a little different that makes it so exciting and special. 
but I feel like this is almost like Corbucci's attempt. Uh, I'm saying that right, right? Yeah. Corbucci. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Corbucci. Corbucci. Um, Corbucci. Uh, of him attempting like a, if you took uh, like a, a chips or an Atom 5 or something like right. that. And you did like a an attempt at a like police squad before police squad, right? Or like airplane, yeah. But it's not like quite it, the Venn diagram is more of like an Atom Five or a Chips, right? And there's a sliver of the airplane stuff, so there's a lot of like non sequitur, just gags, right? I think they're just gags. I think they're just like goofs and gags, <laughs> goofs and gags, goofs. And um, ga- but I guess that is though a logical thing because again, it's like off of our taste, but also we are both comedians and comedy writers who have spent maybe too we spent too long teaching so we yeah. overanalyze too everything long. too long teaching. just too long just, just way too long it's, this is the dark night of our soul let's talk about how too long we've been teaching <laughs> but it's like that point of what we both reached where we we're like wait a second i'm not even enjoying that i'm overanalyzing this shit anymore and <laughs> and you would have those moments where someone would essentially be the corbucci in your class and just be like why can't i just have a fun gag and yeah. I would start to be like, no, because it's going to have this game and fit. And then I forget that's like, yeah, some people just like gags. So, yeah, like, I think it just, so when just that, like, works. when that, like, news reporter is interviewing the people on the street of, like, how do you feel <laughs> about this? Yeah, about the, the, the dog. Yeah, it does. So, this is again where I'm like, I'm half deaf. <laughs> it's dubbed. Did the lady say, well, you'll have to ask my husband? And then she points to her dog. Is that what <laughs> she, the joke was? <laughs> I, I thought the same thing, but then she says that Leopold, the dog, is against the death penalty, too. Okay. So, so but he doesn't it's, talk much anymore. Yeah. It's a classic misdirect. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, that's a fun, like, rhythm of the of not understanding jokes is, like, that's the harder <laughs> joke, even though it's weird and it doesn't make sense. And then they follow it up with a guy who's just like... I don't know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know that was so says. funny. It was like let's let's uh, punctuate this with something a little bit more grounded. <laughs> but, you have something goofy as hell, and then it's just like something more grounded. I it, it feels like such a like again. That's another part where I'm like, what? But that I think maybe that was Corbucci setting up his next movie where a uh, lady's husband be, is the dog, which is very fun. That would I love a lot. Uh, 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 the dog I call husband. Uh, um, but that, I mean, that is the thing is like that rhythm of a joke is antithetical to what we think about in teeth, where immediately you'd be like, well, you just dehydrated it. Like, right. Like that's an EKG that's going down. But he is also like in sketch teacher terms, like Corbucci could also be like that student when they do like a parody. Cause I love like thinking about this of like, oh, did he think he was doing a little bit of like a parody of like cop procedurals of the time? But it's like when a person would be like, yeah, it's a parody, you know, like all of those cop movies or shows. And yeah. then you're like, like what? List them off. And they list off like one. And then you're like, you've watched one cop show. It's not a theme. <laughs> like, you yeah. Know? I mean, I, I guess like, I think the funny part, like giving, okay, my only issue with this movie and from my Snowflake 2021 uh, lens. <laughs> Uh, my liberal snowflake. Uh, everyone gets a, a participation. Look, trophy I want to apologize, by the way, for Frank here, because uh, yep. we're doing this in two different locations. I'm down in Austin right now. 
Uh, oh yeah, you moved there because that's where free thinkers can really exactly. Think and so and speak. Not, yeah, you're not gonna hear any of this fucking snowflake participation. Yes. Yeah. But go uh, on, you weakling. Won't be hearing it. Okay, let me just get this uh, woke <laughs> speak out of my my mouth, um, my delicate mouth. But like, no, like the whole like Native American, like you know the uh, like I like him having to take uh, a boat like a little canoe. That's a funny joke that he just to give a ticket that he's that dedicated. <laughs> but the Native American like reservation stuff felt like what was the point of that? Like why it it feels like a joke. Right. But the joke is that it's I mean a reservation. Right. I don't know, but like And then when he's like he's like I put the ticket on his totem pole. <laughs> that I think it was just for that joke. <laughs> and I think it just it's supposed to be random, but like again, it's like I can't fault that because it's it's a joke of that time. Like airplane has like you know jive talk. It has sure. all these like yeah. things that are like funny for the time, I guess, because of like the context of it. But like for now, again, again, it's not fair to 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 judge it. But that was my only issue with this. Is I was like, ah, eh, what? That was kind of like for what happens to him. It yeah. just felt like a unnecessary joke. But I mean, and that he's it, a terrible cop, and he's kind of you know murdering a lot of people or at least putting them through uh purgatory hells here or there (laughs) he thinks second he has second thoughts about shooting that alligator though that is true exactly that's honestly because it was italian movie i had a brief moment where i was like did i forget that they murder a real animal in this oh my god i i half expected that too yeah i was like oh we're gonna see him shoot a crocodile between the eyes (laughs) here's the thing they did like four takes of it exactly Here's the thing I'll say about, and this isn't in a defense of it, but like, actually, it's more of like, I I agree with you on uh, the, basically, our entry point into this and the kind of treatment of Native American culture um, uh, as a weird, some sort of comic relief. Because it does also, that, that, I, I... just on another side, as we are wont to do, I do think you bring up a good point that is like... Feels like it happens a lot in comedies of that era, which is then actually it's in the era where you're like, wait a second, you gave that character that name and are stuck with that name just for one bad joke. Like, and yeah. that's the thing, is like there are a lot of scenarios in this where you're like, I think that was a long walk to get to like a totally <laughs> fine joke. Um, probably could have come up with a different scenario. But I so here's my weird wondering slash why it also is a could have been a canon. Because Corbucci is one of the, in my mind, masters of the Spaghetti Western, which is a Italian take on Westerns, but also out of this interesting love for America and the history of America, um, much like Phil Collins from Genesis being obsessed with the Alamo. Um, it's just like a thing he does and collects albums. I don't understand it. I, don't, yes. I mean, it's it's the same as trains. Like he was on a podcast and Phil Collins was talking about his train set, and now he finally stopped and he's like, "Yeah, you should see Neil Young's. Like it's insane." And like it's <laughs> just, just like imagining Neil Young and Phil Collins. My God, in talking the same trains. Room. That's what they do in the back. I think it might sound a little something <laughs> like this. Turn it all away. <laughs> oh, tonight, tonight. A train. Um, Phil, I love you. You're my favorite band ever. Uh, but um, <laughs> you're my favorite band. You're ever. my favorite band ever is what I said. <laughs> Put it on a shirt. It makes no sense. Yeah. Um, Phil Collins, you're my favorite band ever. <laughs> <laughs> but so it, Corbucci 
has kind of uh, mired himself in this like take on American culture, which we're talking about, like, uh, you know, us not understanding like Italian culture, but then it's this weird back and forth. And throughout has also dealt both in questionable ways and must have thought about at least subconsciously about uh, the kind of uh, 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 early American or early European settler on the Native American culture, like impact and how brutal it is in a could have been a canon way. Do you think, and this is us giving maybe way too credit, he thinks this is a some sort of satiric point that doesn't make really much sense and maybe we're too dumb to understand what it could be you know it might be you know what you i think you might be right i think you might be right because of the treatment of how they're like uh they're red-blooded americans right like like he says that he's like but not to worry because it is you know what jeff i think i think you're right much I like you, I canon, think it's, but it's a little bit of having your cake, cake and eat it. Well, that's too. the thing. It is always it's it's questionable sometimes when it's a comp. That's the hard part of satire. Going back to our fucking being sketch teachers, like, but it is <laughs> like, and being writers, like, satire is one of the hardest things. Like, sometimes you're just being a jerk. You're not being satirical. Like, yeah, sometimes you're actually uh, perp- like you're actually playing into the stereotypes as opposed to making fun of the people who created those like you know who are right you're you're, you're actually playing into your satire isn't satire it's more pastiche because it's too close to the reality of it right and and there's nothing that you're saying that actually yeah shows that it's satire and so much like a lot of canon that we talk about all the time that it's like even if it's a point of view we don't agree, that often will happen with like uber kind of jingoistic Republican, oh, yeah. like uh, vigilante movies that we love and also hate as we're watching them. But like where you're like, wait a second, I'm not sure you know exactly what you're going for here. And and again, combination of how you're making the movie, production company, et cetera. You're like, okay, you. I think you're going for something. I'm trying to give you credit, but it is a little bit have your cake and eat it too. And I do think what you said, that point that it's like they did almost a Doctor Strange lovey, like over-the-top American general, but not so over-the-top to make it really hit. And the fact that they're like, don't worry about them. They're all right here. And yeah, then they just show like is- 12 Native American, like a family basically. Right. Um, and and so you're just like, okay, maybe this is a joke, but also maybe it is a satirical joke. Maybe it is a kind of questioning of authority. Uh, again, but it, I think because... The fact that they're doing this experiment over that land, that's too. To- and that one, that's one where it's like, okay, that's the most, that's the strongest evidence that that is supposed to be a satirical joke. Um, right. But it's just because it has all the other elements of an Italian production and what could have been a canon, it's a little bit mushier than it could be. And it's like, well, it is one of those, like, again, to go back to teaching when you're teaching satire song, if someone does bring up, usually they don't because they're younger students, but they're like, but what about Kubrick? What about what about Doctor Strange? What about like that's kind of questionable? Or what about Blazing Saddles or what have you? Whatever it right, is. Right. Um, but yeah, like, and, and that's when I would always be like, I don't know, I can't do it either. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not fucking Richard Pryor. No, and Mel Brooks. No, and also operating in a certain time period. Yes, exactly. We are no longer in that time period. You're not Richard Pryor. I'm not Mel Brooks. 
Right. Let's not fucking try it. <laughs> right. Kind of, like this is a different time to tackle something different. So right. Let's let it be. <laughs> like. But so and it's hard. It's hard when it's it's like I I bet you that's the thing and that it was supposed to be some and and I get kind of the joke, but it's also so oddly quick in all happening and then. I think, again, because it's a jumping of tones that happens in Italian movies and in canon films, that it's a little whiplashy, you know? Because it's like, it's not yeah. like it's satirical in other parts, unless it was meaning to. Because, I mean, even the fact that, like, I'm now thinking about, because, again, it's a mix of weird, like, lowbrow uh, kind of gas jokes, kind of, but not really. Uh, maybe these satirical elements... Uh, kind of uh, goofier kid jokes, uh, just straight up gags that are just separate from everything. But also, it's hard because the whole time you're watching too, you're constantly questioning like, wait, is this a choice? And why did this choice get made? Like, so all of the bad guys, they're all dubbed with, and this is where I'm like, maybe this is a satirical thing. They're all dubbed with a like, Italian American voice, yeah, you know what I mean. Like Which, the voice I was doing. Yeah, yeah, they're basically they're just like, "Hey, you want a spicy meatball?" And that's not even yeah. us at, like going over the top. Like it's the first line that like Malibu or whatever his name says, because all those <laughs> all those guys have crazy names. But it's like, "Hey, Abasa, you want a me a two a go here?" <laughs> and it's like yeah. one too many us. And yeah, it's very Mario. Right. Mario. And so, yeah, it sounds like fucking Mario. He's a me, a Mario. <laughs> um, but like, is that supposed to be making fun of then a representation of Italians in America? In America cinema, yeah. And you've got an Italian who's like clearly like, hey, we don't speak like that. <laughs> we speak like Wait, Terrence with a German accent. <laughs> right. But. I, the I, cop. It went into my hand. <laughs> it is insane. Like it's his voice is real crazy. <laughs> it's also, I love you. but yeah. So like that, it, it, it's like those choices throughout just continue to add to like this is fun and weird, but in the weird way that you talked about that we both yeah. love, where it's just like. It's a logic I don't completely get, but I'm always on board. Like, you know, it's someone thinking different than me. Yeah. And me just being like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Snowflake lends off. It is melted. Uh, but yeah, I think that, like, I love this because this is like when I was watching it, I was like, or when I was done with it, I was like, I would, again, we talk about this, but this is the type of film that I would show at a midnight screening. Yes. Or uh, I would rewatch stoned yes you know what i mean yes. i wasn't I, I didn't take an edible last night watching this but i was like the whole time was like i can't watch i can't wait to watch this stone you would be <laughs> laughing your ass off when he asks for azuki beads or whatever the fuck he has oh for, god yeah for his I, 15th plate of beads <laughs> man there were a couple of, of parts where i like very i actually did laugh yeah. out loud yeah. and also i want to talk about the stunts yeah yeah uh, can we talk about can the we stunts? please talk about the stunts for before once? we leave let's no but uh i really want to talk about that because some of them in true italian fashion you're like uh how do they do this <laughs> you know, like you're like Thank did you. they actually put that actor on the plane did they actually like i know that the balloon was very much like you could tell there were two dummies that were yes. sewn to it yes. but it there were certain shots where I was like, that is they do a lot of the three stooges like reversal yeah. shots 
where you know they had like a dummy like when he one of my favorite like stunts was after he doesn't uh spoiler where he doesn't get electrocuted in the electric chair and he jumps out the wall and goes right into the water the way that looked is so funny to me yes there were certain shots like that where he's jumping out or he's doing something that's like uh even like him walking on the water was funny to me like i some of those stunts were just like i loved it yeah no i mean that is a th- it's it's very italian and canon where again yeah. why it could have been a camp because there are like those are the ones i wrote down as well especially yeah when he doesn't get electrocuted after making that horrifying face like i can't emphasize how <laughs> horrifying sometimes his face is there is something about no i'm saying this as someone with blue eyes and Franco is the opposite. Franco Nero pulls it off all the time. I, always just smoldering. And I love that man to death. But there is just something about Terrence's eyes that have that piercingness. That are also like that woman. We've talked about her before. But it, that actress who I do love but played evil in. And Masters of the Universe. And is also right. in They Live. Like where there's that piercingness that is unsettling. And that's what is happening with his eyes. Combined with. That weird, I was trying to think, my my best friend makes a face sometimes that really is really funny to me, but he used to annoy his cousin by making a teddy bear face. But it was just <laughs> this weird little like, like smile where your mouth is really tiny, but it's really big cheeks. And that's where his yeah. face goes to combined with those piercings. So when he's getting electrocuted and is also maybe almost at least murdering everyone. Yes. Shocker, man. Shocker, man. Megadeth started playing, like, (laughs) doing a cover of No More Mr. Nice Guy while that happens. But because, yeah, they try to electrocute him because that's the fourth murder or the fourth way they try to electrocute him. They first do a gas chamber and then a hanging and then a firing squad. And then this is the fourth way is through a fucking electrocution. But somehow he uses superpowers to save himself, but also electrocute everyone who's watching yeah, fry <laughs> everyone and luckily nobody in that room was wearing red oh thank fucking god every time yeah because that is something that happens that he has his kryptonite uh as we see when he's reading a weird action comic superman comic that seemed to be glued together i almost wanted to text michael hartney and be like is this how they look yeah. somewhere <laughs> No, yeah, it was like a double issue, right? Like a backwards double issue where yeah. it had action comics, comics, and Superman. Maybe it's one of those like double issue reprints they would do sometimes. Oh, just make yeah, money. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, his- but I was like the way he was he was positioned though. Again, uh, that they probably no safety regulations oh. how they did that shot. But I was like, based off of how he was crouched there, I was like, shouldn't it be Spider Man? Yeah. Not, not again, uh, why it also feels Italian and canon. Like, sometimes you're like, I think you understand superheroes, and I think you're lining them up, but because, it, as Norris pointed out, it literally is, this motherfucker gets every single superpower that has ever existed. Like, <laughs> he is the entire Justice League and the Avengers and some of the X-Men and West Coast Avengers uh and a little new mutant shoved in there like it really is like every it's whatever works for the situation to have another set piece he can walk on water he's got psychic abilities he's got telekinesis he can fly he can make he's got aquaman powers he's got aquaman powers he can tell jokes 
with fish. Uh, he can fucking. I think the boys just stole that uh, from him. Like just like that. Oh right, best friends. Man, with great fish. show. Yeah, great show. Uh, I did not expect to like the boys because I was like, whatever, fucked up superheroes. Yeah, we've seen it. And then I watched it. and I was like, this is very good. Good actors in there. I love the actors. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, and, and and he really can do fucking everything. But it is a weird mishmash. We're like, all right, this is now Spider Man, and this isn't exactly not to get like fucking fanboy like complaining on the internet but it's 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 like everything it's a little whiplashy like because it's just like oh he can do that and you're still saying that like an hour 20 in um but yeah those to go back to those special effects that you're talking about like that one especially when he is getting electrocuted and then says sayonara and then jumps out the wall he's like see ya wouldn't want to be ya and then i was like impressed with yeah. the cinematography and just being like, I don't know exactly how you pulled it off. I'm kind of piecing together. Like, even when he's, like, running super speed and it looks like the cars are going pretty normal, I was like, all right, they had the cars drive really slow. And then slow. he brought, but, like, there's no click to it. It looks yeah. fucking good. It looks like it's a Corbucci impressive. movie. Um, I mean, there yeah, there are certain, like, shots that are really, I really enjoyed certain shots of this. But even, like the supermarket scene where like some of that action's happening and you're like, how did they, 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 they had to be very creative with like how the cart yes. did this and that. And like it, 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 they're very three stooges, like three stooges, three stooges, stooges E <laughs> like I, which are some of my favorite gags, like action wise where they reverse shots or they do something that's very clearly on like, uh, like a path or something. But with this one, I, there were a few where I was like, how did they do that? And I know that actor got hurt. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no way they didn't. I mean, I guess what I'm also now considering, I love that we'll like consider things that sometimes I'm like, maybe I should have just easily considered this before. But because it is also 1980 and, uh, you know, just you saying Three stooges E and really fucking that up. That is not a phrase we use. But uh, <laughs> just, like, it is, like, oh, right. Like, I'm still even looking at this from, like, comedy lens of now. And it's, like, yeah, of course it's going to be a lot of visual Three Stooges gags. Like, that's going to translate to everyone. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Like, and 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 it this isn't, like, fucking Raimi doing it and being like, oh, did you know that it's a horror movie and he's actually influenced by Three Stooges? Like, this is, like, old-timey joke. Like, there's definitely old-timey stuff in it. Like, in a good yeah. way. Like, in, in, like, and because it's a smart move for it being universal because it is fun and uh, uh, pretty good with the editing and the kind of, like, choreography of doing, yeah. like, the goofy fight scenes. That still work in the Italian slapping that I love. Like, that's, you know, that's <laughs> like, you're like, okay, you're kind of punching, and then, oh, that looks like a slap. Um, oh, yeah. But there's also, like, a confusingness still in the choices, because, like, we mentioned that Red is his kryptonite. Uh, it takes him a very long time to figure this out. Uh, it's It's, you know, one of the things of this movie, like we said, it takes about an hour for the actual uh, counterfeit story to really come in and it takes a very long time for him to get on board with what is going on like uh this isn't the greatest american hero where it's like he right. immediately realizes he lost the manual to the super suit um uh and we're you're kind of sitting there screaming like it's red motherfucker like red makes you lose your powers um uh but 
so he's fighting those three bad guys, and this is because I'm just thinking about the fight scenes now. And then a red uh, uh, sleeping bag shows up, uh, <laughs> screws him up. Why does he come back in with those two baseball mitts on his hands? I think maybe he grabbed them on the way that he like fell out, but also uh, randomness. I don't I know. I think that is what, well, because I'm sitting there. And again, that's the problem of, look, we went from being uh, teaching sketch for too long to now maybe analyzing movies like this for too long. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there going like, all right. He's got those on. Is that supposed to be, again, an American thing? Is that something? Or, like, I don't think we've set up that if he doesn't touch Red, I think it's a visual thing. I think it's in his mind. And then I'm like, maybe he's trying to not touch the sleeping bag. But that's never been a thing. But also, they keep making up superpowers. So why not keep making up the rules? And now I'm just like, maybe I missed something. Maybe it's just a funny thing. They thought that he could, like, slap people with fucking uh, 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 baseball gloves. It's also, like, I think, true to the time. I had downloaded this movie that Chris Elliott did. It was, like, this very... It was, like, kind of a Star Wars uh, parody movie. Oh. That was, like, very... It's, like, a VHS uh, called Hyperspace. Okay. And one of the accounts, uh, Instagram accounts I follow, I can't remember which one, but they had, like, uploaded a link to it and being like, this will only be up for this amount of time. Mm-hmm. It might have been, like, um, whatever. But they said this will only be up for this amount of time and uh, get it while you can. So like right. I downloaded it. But it's very much of like of that time, I think, of like kind of underground comedy that was just random for random sake. Uh-huh. There's a lot of that in that movie where it's like if you were watching it in the 80s, you're like, oh, my God. It's, you know, it's a whole like uh, Mondo Mike, you know, yep. like yep. kind of like what you know and i think that was part of the appeal of it and like now we've seen it so much that it just feels like like more confusing than like this is great you know what like i mean someone on tiktok would be like ugh, so random yeah yes <laughs> yeah there you go no i agree like the, i forget too that that is its own thing like it's i i think because again years of railing against certain types of comedy and then being like ugh. All of the date movie, epic movies, like all that world where you're just like, it's not that it's just like first thought randomness. Uh, it's and, all references. It's all yeah. references to trailers. The, after Not Another Teen Movie, it really took a nosedive mm-hmm. of parody movies where it was just like, hey, remember that from the trailer? Right. I remember Meet the Spartans. I had to review that for a website. <laughs> And they were literally like three uh, step up, like uh, battle dance battle scenes. Wow, where there's literally no joke other than they're dressed up like Spartans and they're yep. doing break dancing moves. That's it. Pretty funny. I mean, come on, Frank. <laughs> I hope yeah, you. Why gave don't it an I a. get it? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you get? It? But I do think like it. It is hard when. Uh, uh, look, I, I'm aware I've got a snobbiness as well in watching. And sometimes you just have to like kind of let it go and just be like, oh, right. There's going to because yeah, the fact that a movie like Hyperspace could also exist and just be like one that's almost like that is lost to the time. Uh, and then you see like, whoa, what is like this? Yeah, this is just a collection. Like this is uh, a different thing than I imagined. It is really just kind of randomness. Um, uh, uh and I don't know. There, I agree. There is something fun when that hat, like that kind of style, like 
you know, I'm a snob who can't stand the family guy, but, you know, like, because <laughs> it just feels too random. And I'm like, too much. Yeah, you think that's bad. Oh, what? Oh, I take it back. You think that's bad. <laughs> One time I was with Gary Coleman and we ca- crashed the Dukes of Hazard car. Oh, man, that's exactly works. Why well, I can't believe Peter Griffin showed up here. <laughs> yeah, you think that's bad. <laughs> just that's it. <laughs> I'm dying. What? Oh God. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I do think it's it's it, it, it there there is a sometimes it's just like in this movie, especially just kind of letting it go and just being like, all right, like that's just was just a weird joke. Like it's just kind of gonna happen. Uh I also think there's like an off-puttingness that you have to wrap your brain around with especially Italian movies where there's a certain type of line delivery uh, that his girlfriend seems to have sometimes, uh, 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 who's also in Blood Rage, I believe. Um, yeah, and- she didn't have a very long career, unfortunately, but like, yeah, it. she was in Blood Rage. Yeah, um, and uh, also, again, his creepiness where you're just like, wait, you love, you're going to marry her? Like, didn't you start dating? You're really kind of forcing this marriage on her. Um, I mean, he freezes her just to kiss her, so... That's a little bit Hollow Manny situation there. Whoops, there goes my snowflake lenses Uh again. Uh Uh-oh, got cold in here. What? Uh, Freezing because a man can't freeze a woman to attack her is how it reads. It feels like a little, (laughs) like, fucking Verhoeven gone wrong there. Um, uh, And it's up there with the evilness of... Really, when he did make that entire football stadium disappear, where did they go? Like, did they go I, into That's purgatory? what I wondered. Like, yeah, was it just like that they, it's a blip thing where they just like, they came back and they didn't even notice? Right. Or is it like we could make our own version of the leftovers and it's called like <laughs> the returners and it's about everyone who was there and like no one can understand the hell that they went through in that time right and they disappeared. the pain oh, the pain man. the searing pain not a terrible idea for a show uh but you know so that is kind of fucked up but like uh so that woman she delivers in there are a couple lines that i i was like watching i was like oh yeah this is something that is a little bit common in italian film when it gets dubbed over and to me is also like a lot of how like Daria Nicolati like uh, would uh, deliver lines in like Argento films, especially where it's mm-hmm. like three sentences all jammed together. Like, right, right. Where it's like uh, it, it becomes like such an Italian thing to like speak without any breaths. Where it's like, oh, Dave, you're not even watching the game. What are you thinking about? Oh, I know. You're just thinking about racing cars. And then you're not even paying attention. Dave, we need to pay attention to the game. And it's just like, whoa, lots of information. But that's not uncommon. And it can feel really off-putting because it happens in this movie, like, throughout. Borgnine starts to even go on some of those rants where you're like, what is the information you're trying to get to us? (laughs) But it is just a common thing. Like, I, it's like, I feel like almost every movie Daria would be in, like, there's a scene of her, like, bursting into a room and just being like, hi, how are you? I'm a reporter. You didn't know who I am. I'm here to investigate a murder. What are you doing? You might not be the murderer, (laughs) but actually you might be. And I love it every single time it happens. But (laughs) 
it's just adds to the barrage of what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, what the oh, fuck am I watching? Diarrhea Nickelodeon. Diarrhea Nickelodeon is my favorite. Wait, what actor. was the name? Daria Nicolotti. <laughs> oh, there you go. I believe is how I'm uh, saying it right. Uh, 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 co-writer of Suspiria. Um, Diary. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Asia's, Asia's mother. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, I think it's also a disconcerting movie while you're watching it too because again it's whatever your feelings are on cops and the authorities but uh you, we all have to agree that not only uh should Paul Speed be kind of arrested and maybe uh executed for some of the things he is doing <laughs> but like just held accountable just please I mean, just that's all we're asking for people we need yeah. accountability and just accountability man just like yeah if you're going to be uh you know uh, basically illegally uh, uh arresting people constantly nonstop uh maybe murdering people <laughs> yeah. around you um uh at the same time I mean, Borgnine needs some accountability, too, just, like, as a partner. I mean, he ends up kind of, like, basically letting Paul Speed almost die multiple times. Like, he shouldn't, <laughs> he shouldn't, as a sergeant, have sent in this rookie to a land to give a ticket where he's gonna where they're setting off like atomic bombs that are but gonna... he said himself that it was a secret he didn't even know. Right, but it seemed like everyone else knew. Like, it, right, it's like every like young cop there seemed to know. So, like, I mean, one, I guess he should not be a cop then he was on the distracted. beat. Yeah, he's got to start doing some desk work. Uh, uh, but yeah, and like, in it, there's like another time where he almost kills him as well. There's just like so many times of him not believing him, and like, I, I just think it's it's bad cop all around. Blowing like, up his weakness, blowing up his weakness. Yeah, exactly. That's a thing. He is a bad cop because he's distracted. He's so horny for uh, Rosie Labouche, right? This Rosie Labouche, Rosie Labouche, and the actor, the actress who played that part, that was her last film. Oh wow, uh, yeah, she's uh, she was great. <laughs> I mean, what what yeah. a way to. End. I mean, she's got like a huge list of it credits, is, like of TV yeah. and film, yeah. and like she is one of those kind of classic actors. Which again, not to to skip ahead to like our canon rating, but like. This felt like a canon to me because of all the elements. And even Borgnine, you know, is our crossover mm-hmm. here. But, like, all these kind of stars of, like, in a, in a certain respect are in this movie. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you're like, where are they from? And you look at their IMDb and it's 50 fucking miles long, mm-hmm. you know. Which is, again, the beauty of a ta- If you're like me and Frank and we, like, love watching movies and constantly being like, what are you from? Who's that person? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's Italian movies in a fucking nutshell. Like, it's like whether it is, did I see them in like 20 giallos that all have weird mishmashes of words? Or did I see that as because he's an American actor and he was in a billion American things? Like, it's just a constant barrage of faces that you're just like, God, it looks so fucking familiar. God, she looks so familiar. I swear I know that voice. Um, I think also, I'm realizing now we mentioned the 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 kind of Native American section. I I just remembered that also like Paul Speed had that John Wayne poster. Yeah, that was like a weird gag. That's like it takes up his whole fucking. Uh, that was a fun cabinet. shot. Yeah. yeah, and it looked great because it like I 
I was zoning out a little and like I looked up and I was like, what the fuck is going on with his body? My computer started going dark because it was trying to save battery because it was late at night. Uh, And then I realized what was going on. But like even that is like, I don't know. I'm sure someone smarter who wants to watch Super Fuzz even more than us uh, could do a pretty great like, you know, thesis dissertation or just like, you know, genre website article about the... Uh, correlation between Corbucci and his spaghetti westerns and how he's using it to his advantage or disadvantage and the knowledge of him in uh, Super Fuzz. Because it is just like, like, I don't think it's like over intentional, but there's definitely enough references to westerns and American westerns and just America in that certain way. And that is the one of the more fun parts of Italian uh, spaghetti westerns is just like it's their take on it's us thinking the West is going to look like Spain because they've shot most of it in Spain. That kind of looks right. like parts of Arizona sort of thing. Well, yeah, it was shot in Miami or like uh, Florida. No, but no, I mean it, spaghetti Westerns being oh, like yeah, how yeah, like, yeah, they yeah, would always shoot those in Spain. And in our brains, we're like, that's what the West looks like. And that's like, yeah. wait a second. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but this movie is a KFC bowl of American, <laughs> I think. It truly is, though, because, Jeff, I think what, that John Wayne thing is like, okay, we have a hero like John Wayne, the Superman reference, because Superman came out, you know, before this movie came out, like, 78, right? 77? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But, like, so you have that influence, so it's all these kind of Western influences, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, Superman, John Wayne, cops, right? you know, and I think it's just like... You put those three things together, and that's what I think Super Fuzz is through the Italian lens. Right. And so that it adds another fun layer because you're like, what are the references to Westerns? What are <laughs> Westerns? And what are just like, again, just uh, like Dirty Harry, you know? Dirty like, Harry. Yep. Yeah. So two things off that. One, Frank, what is he making in his apartment to eat? I thought <laughs> I thought it was a very white mashed potatoes. But then I was when it the thing was like the device that they set up to like let it twirl. I was like, is that marshmallow? Like I, <laughs> I was like, is it meringue? Or I cream? thought it was. I thought it was a bowl of whipped cream. And then I was like, wait, yeah, is it marshmallow? And then I was like, is it meringue? I guess like there's Italian meringue. <laughs> like it could be a weird thing. But then I again was like me overthinking where I was like, have they established something about how he has a sweet tooth? And it's a little lost. Like, it almost was like, and I know it's because I have it on my brain. I'm re-watching Justified. And then, yeah. wa- and then reading the Raylan Givens, like, short novellas. Um, and, I, and like, reading the books, I'm like, oh, it was a whole thing that he really loved ice cream in the books. But when it, like, shows up in Justified every once in a while, you're like, why do you order ice cream? And then it like it kind of <laughs> doesn't happen enough in the show to make right. it a thing of the character. Uh, and that's a little bit like this where I was like, is there something that he needs a lot of sweets to get his metabolism up with the gum? And oh. but also, am I wrong that he was eating flowers at one point? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, when he was abusing his power again as a cop, telling them to flap their wings like an angel. <laughs> right. um, how do you talk? To, to an, an angel. angel. Oh, the heights. Okay, uh. but him like making them like he's telling them to like basically abusing his power. But as he's doing that, he's eating the flowers. Right. Again, I think that's just a joke. I think it's just a random joke. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like that's like 
Yeah, it would be like, again, if we were, if we had Corbucci in our sketch class, would we be ruining parts of Superfuzz by being like... Yeah, we would. Yeah, I, I know we, we would. I was just teaching yesterday and I like yeah. had to be like, I was like, you know what? I gave that note, but if you like it, try it. Yeah. Like an audience, I basically just, I basically just said, or I've been telling my students and this is probably bad, but just being like, if you believe in it so much and if you really love it, just do it. I, like I, you can always take it up. Yeah. An audience will let you know if that works or not. But I agree with that. I mean, this is not to get on a fucking sidetrack of uh, comedy theory, but also that's what I and we do. Uh, as many of our things is get sidetracked by comedy theory. But no, I agree. I do think now that I look back, I'm like, God, especially the last couple years of when I was teaching all the time. Not to say that I won't start teaching again at some point, uh, and hopefully I'll learn from this. Like I do. I look back and sometimes I'm just like, yeah, man, I should have just been like, I don't know. Also, like that note might be bad. Like, and I started to do it more, but like yeah. I, I was giving notes too stuck on like, it's here's what the game and this is too weird. And like, sometimes you'll have the student where you're like, I know that you could sell this to me. And I'm just like, fuck it. I don't care. Um, and then, but sometimes I was like, maybe I was getting too much of a hard ass because I was just tired of teaching, <laughs> honestly, yeah. like, and, and was just getting too rote about it. And, and I do worry that I killed, doesn't keep me up nights. Don't worry about that people. But, uh, <laughs> it's like, I do have like the worry sometimes of like, oh, did I ruin a couple of beats or jokes here or there because I was getting too much of a stickler because I was in a mood or whatever it is. Um, I mean, I, I started saying, like, my word is not gospel. Yeah. Take what you need, but ultimately an audience will tell you what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm getting too beat up on myself, like, be, you know, self-flagellating, because I do think I, like, yeah, I, I think my wording was just like, it's this is all opinion, but it's a yeah. learn it's a learned opinion. It's coming from a place of that I've been doing sketch for fifteen years. Yeah. And you know, watched a billion movies and seen the patterns and stuff. But also it's an art and it's subjective and it's fucking it's comedy. It's like, I don't know, like that's the it's, hard it's, part too, when you're like both of us are like, Well, we can't teach how to be funny. We're gonna right, teach what we teach think that. our rhythm of funny is, and that's not what everyone thinks is funny going off of eh, most of our careers <laughs> um, <laughs> but you could you could teach structure and that's what you're getting it's it's art what we <laughs> uh, we teach comedy but it's the same th concept as like acting or art that there are different philosophies but there's a foundation right right there's a certain foundation of structure that you have to teach and start with yeah and I think we're being harder on ourselves because a lot of the their intro levels that we would teach that you have to teach those stringent structures so that they learn it. Right. And then you can have something like a Tim Robinson where they just completely break it. Right. But there's still that structure that they start. There's a baseline that's there. It's just what they do with that baseline. Then that's that's where it gets creative. And that's the same with art, like, you know, like painting expressionism. Right. Like there's a foundation, but you, you take it in a different direction. It's same for acting. It's like, you know, you have like, you know, um, a Meisner, you know, like that's mm -hmm. just one philosophy. Right. And like for where we taught, it's like one philosophy out of many comedy philosophies. So it's right. like we're teaching you that philosophy. But what you do outside of that is up to you.
Well, because, yeah, I, I, yeah, and I obviously I agree with that. Because it's just like, I mean, that's it. No, talking, Jeff, stop arguing with me. <laughs> it's what I was talking about, I think, even on another podcast, where it's like, there is a math to it. And you're lying to yourself if you're not thinking there's some math. Like, yeah. even people who are in, like, random comedy, we're going to the randomness, but it's like, we have people in our, our, you know, era that, like, live more in that world. It's just like, yeah, no, I see the math of your randomness. <laughs> like, you Yeah, know, the annoyance yeah, uh, like, which, brand. Which is yeah. great. And I do love, I love that, too. It's like, I can't, I wish I could wrap my brain around it, but it is its own math. Like, it's just like, I, it's whether you choose to accept it or not. I mean, this is just a person coming from, like, that's how I was in film school, too. Like, you yeah. know, like, it's it would just be constantly just like, yeah, I, why can't I just make the movie I want? It's like, you can, but it might be fun to know, like, what you're working off of, like, sometimes. Yeah. And, and that is, again, to pull it back even to this, like, that is the interesting part of watching is, like, because all of the math, all of the structure, all of the stuff of, like, comedy, movies, it's sometimes, it gets... That's why it can be fun to watch genre, especially, but any movie for, or, you know, honestly, it's like why you want to watch art or consume art that isn't in your fucking world only, because you will see a structure that like, again, like there's a logic here, we think sometimes, like we might be giving it too much credit, but it's a logic that we might not understand and I give some sort of new t- and I know we're getting super heady about super fuzz but again that is what we do <laughs> cuz I do think it's like fun to watch this movie like and just be like what the fuck were you thinking sometimes like you know like in in to really piece through like oh because I do think in our overanalyzing of like that that the the opening scene and of the John Wayne thing I do think there are like these interesting themes much like a canon film there are these interesting themes and whether they're intentional or not again I do kind of like I loved that conversation we had with Jay uh Green about Kinjite like where it is just like it kind of doesn't fucking matter if it's an intentional or not like you know but for me it is that like but if they're there they're there to get picked apart and super fuzz does have some sort of commentaries in there amidst oh yeah also a movie that is so odd that you're like all right i think i've gotten a handle on this i think it might be for kids and then they're like (laughs) fuck it now we're in basically a strip joint (laughs) yeah i that scene was so funny to me like just a very like low kind of uh low energy strip joint her that looking felt at like the a pictures wing bar. the window was just like, ugh, whatever. I know, that was so funny, like kind of the half-hearted dancing in the background that was like kind of sexy, but like over it sexy. Yep, yep. <laughs> Like I kept watching the background being like, okay. <laughs> like they're just kind of like, yeah. but they're grooving with the music. It's kind of appropriate for the music that's playing. And there's music constantly playing. Yes. Granted, they're the same three songs or super, four songs super. throughout the movie. <laughs> but man, like yeah, uh, that scene itself too was very funny like i could smell that place <laughs> i mean i like there's I, still yeah yeah i probably said it but i've only been to like two strip clubs and i didn't pay attention at the first one i just went because it's my best friend's bachelor and that one remind they walk in one it reminded me of like the one portland like strip club oh right yeah you're right we're just small and it's just like yeah yeah we're just kind of doing our job up here uh and i get it uh, but yeah, it's just so odd that it was like, I was like, wait, are we vaguely getting some nudity that's like half covered? But I was like, I think this yeah. was supposed to be a kid's movies in some ways, but maybe not. 
Who not, knows? Not anymore. I mean, it's also, again, Italy. Hey, they're looser with their sexuality. Hey, hey. Come on. What? Why are you trying to protect the Please. We'll, they're going to see it. They need to know. We we'll look at the boobies. Early age. <laughs> we continue to look at the boobie. Um, but yeah, it's just like... So I also just remembered... There are constantly times, like, again, going with the jokes where, like, when he is fucking with the guys who are gambling... Yeah, like when they're di- when they're playing craps, was the right. joke that he put an extra dot on the dice? Oh, I didn't catch that. I don't so know. So that one of I them, think he just like because I think they were weighted dice, but and so because he was this able is where I'm going to make you go back and watch it stones. Unless I was, <laughs> I think he. It's not that even that it was weighted that it went to two sixes. He put mm-hmm. a seventh dot on there, which again, <laughs> the confusingness of what his superpowers are. Super, 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 super. Um, uh, but yeah, so like, I also, so once it got to the plot, it got, I will say it did get a little confusing. It was just basically that there's a counterfeiters. Again, we, why we could wait so long is it takes an hour to get to this. Uh, the bad guys who we've seen for a while are counterfeiting dollar bills, literally just dollars. And I guess that's the logic is that they're so small. Like someone's like, why would yeah, they even nobody bother will. doing this? Um, uh, but so I'm just also noticing that I wrote, so why the beans like four pages in again? I was just like, <laughs> what? I just couldn't get over the beans. It was right after I realized the police chief had a weird pronunciation too, where he goes, first degree, my day. <laughs> Oh yeah, I wrote that down too. Yeah, mayor, like I think you said mayor, mayor, or something like yeah. That. Well, that's the thing. This plays into actually. It all does kind of connect because there's another guy who has a crazy pronunciation thing, and it's that magician that <laughs> they run into at the beginning. That it wasn't even clear. It's like I think yeah, he's like a magician, and he's kind of just watching Paul Speed jump out the window and then be fine, and then come back in. Um. But so, like, he's looking for that magician. Is he looking for him because he thinks that guy will understand why he loses his powers because he understands the dark yes. arts? Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> that that is a layer to it. That yeah, I I know what you're. I was thinking the same thing, but no, he was. He wanted to ask him because he had witnessed him both times when it was successful when it was not and he would be able to observe why it wasn't successful because he would know what the elements were that were different between each time but the fact that he's a ventriloquist and a magician is a bonus that if this were another movie or like a marvel movie or whatever we'd find out that this guy has these powers too and he will train him how to use them and focus them awesome idea we're doing our classic move, especially <laughs> you doing the rewriting to make it connect a little bit more. Because, yeah, there's a little bit that, yeah, I'm clearly doing a rewriting that, like, he doesn't really even have to be a magician. No, completely. he doesn't. <laughs> or why he has all those dogs in the crates. Well, because also he definitely doesn't need to because as far as I could tell, and this is, again, convoluted because it's not related to the plot. They those crooks who are counterfeiters who are also I guess Rosie Labouche is with the main guy and she's counterfeiting yeah. too. It's a uh-huh. little unclear why she's just kind of shoved in. Maybe it's because she's uh you know 
past her prime, quote unquote, sort of thing. And she needs How money. Dare you, Jeff. I know. I know. But well, because it's unclear of why she got in on this, but she's really into it and she knows that Red can take him down. Uh, but it seems like those bad guys are trying to get the magician because he's gotten into breeding dogs. Oh, and it was right, a very right, right. quick passing line of like he right, sold a chihuahua. He yeah, yeah, and it was a bad chihuahua or something. Like, <laughs> See, I thought that was a funny joke. Yeah. I thought so too, but like it's so but like it's it's just very thrown in, and you're just like, oh, okay, like what what what's with the magician <laughs> thing? And yeah. it's weird that it's that's how it ends up that Paul Speed is interacting with them. It has nothing to do with him being a super cop, really. Yeah. You know, and it has nothing really to do with the counterfeiting. It's just all is semi happenstance, right? Yeah, I don't know, Jeff. <laughs> you, we talking about? I was talking about that. Uh, I, I have a. You, you could probably see. I have a huge smile on my face I because can. I just talking about the Chihuahua thing made me laugh, and then I was like, I actually, I really love this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I really yeah. love this. This is a new favorite of mine. Yeah. It's really fun. <laughs> I mean. I, I mean, it's Corbucci, baby. I mean, it's, it's Corbucci. Corbucci. Yeah, the Cor- Corbucci comedy hour. I mean, even no, the but, fact that he has that post, it's another poster that I'm like, am yes. I going to fill my room with dumb posters? <laughs> <laughs> the little kid with the spaghetti. Yes, the spaghetti. <laughs> I was like, what is the meaning? I wanted to know. Is like that a nod to Spaghetti Western? Or like him being oh. like, hey, it's, it's, see, it's him being a goofy kid. His past is spaghetti western, but he's being goofy now, so he's covered in it. And it's this kind of kid, kid like uh, wonder movie. And the caption just, underneath know. says, Why me? <laughs> Which is great, but also, so, you legitimately being poor just. poor sucks and why me? Yeah. You just blew my mind because I'm. this is like us getting way too deep, but probably someone else could be like, You're not getting deep enough. That is exactly what he was going for. But yeah. I didn't even think about the fact because I was so enamored with the poster that it's spaghetti, <laughs> which yeah. is Italian, but is also the food that people are like, yeah, if you come to my house, it's not like that's Italian American. Like, yeah. it's not like you get spaghetti like right away. And he did spaghetti westerns, which is a much like kraut rock is like a term we've all agreed upon, but is also kind of derogatory. Right. In a weird way. And like it's not is like both one that is like glommed onto as a term to use and not at the same time. And are both food related, I'm realizing <laughs> sauerkraut and spaghetti. Um, and yeah, it's in his apartment that is right after a John Wayne American Western, and then the spaghetti western, he's like, Why me? I have to get saddled with spaghetti and these westerns. I want to do comedy or something. Wow. I thought it was just a funny poster, but it's it adding, probably is. But why not? You know, yeah. you know that's a, that's the motto of the Cannon Bros. Why not spend way too long over analyzing an aesthetic choice like a Poverty Sucks poster <laughs> or the Why Me poster? Um, but no, I mean, I, I now I'm just like fuck, man. I'm gonna have to do a rewatch. I'm going to have to do like a super fuzz, fucking super snooper rewatch of seeing like in the lens of Corbucci somehow maybe even responding to to the weight of Django. And and again, I'm saying and this goes along with that conversation we had with Jay Green that like even if it's subconscious, 
I'm I love it though. I love the subconscious yeah. of fucking filmmakers and that all the choices are probably making that they didn't even think about because I just also assume maybe wrongfully so that most of those older Italian directors are not overanalyzing the shit that they do. They are shitting out movies left and right. And they're just like, I fucking go Gucci. I make more movies. Like, and it can in sort of way, honestly, yep. they're shitting out piles and piles of movies, but are right as, as dudes who talk about movies on a podcast <laughs> in this day and age is to overanalyze them. But because I think there is something going back to sketch teachers, the same shit that I would start to do, especially towards the end of my longer tenure of teaching would just be like, I don't know. I don't care if you meant to do it or not. You did it. And it's kind of fun that your subconscious made this choice. It's a second joke. Lean into it. Like that shit is so great. By the way, did you happen to see that Phil Noble Jr. uh, tweet? Oh, no, I I don't think so. Oh, man, this one, like, cut me to my core because I was like, oh. (laughs) Uh, But he he said, are we done with podcasts of two guys talking about plot holes uh, in older movies? You know what? I was like. I did see that, and honestly, I was like, I don't think I'm being defensive, where I was just like, because also, I would love to get Phil on this podcast, and he's someone we're we're, going to be reaching out to. Um, uh, But no, I think I'm with him. I I think we don't do that, and I don't think this is a patting ourselves on the back. I think we fucking, we, 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 we both get self-conscious even about doing plot holes in these movies. Because, again, we are not watching these things ironically. We are not watching them as, like, just fucking pure nostalgia. This is just what we did. Anyways. And and I do think that sometimes, yes, there is fun in pointing out, like, oh, it's canon. They fucking, their production company is crazy. They make weird choices. But I do, I again, and correct us if we are wrong on this, canon heads. If this is what you are listening to, uh, to and or is, and you do not hear this, but I stand yeah. behind. I think, and this isn't a fucking uh, uh, fuck it. This is uh, uh, twenty twenty one. We can pat ourselves on the back. I do think that's the next level of what I think we do on the canon canon is that we are. Mm. It's not just like, do you remember this weird thing? Like, uh, no, there's an interesting history behind why this would happen or a choice. Like, it's not just pointing out this kind of bullshit Uh, because I don't want to listen to that. I don't care about just listening to like this movie was bad or whatever it is like. No way. Fuck that. I'm with you, though. I felt the same exact feeling. <laughs> I was like, oh, but yes. yeah. But, you know, uh, you know, hear me now. Believe me later. I like to think that we don't uh, <laughs> like that. We don't take that route too much. Uh, no. I think if anything, I mean, we do pitch like things of like how to make it make more sense. But that's just our own like fun kind of like nerdiness of being like, oh, what if? But it is why we went on for so long, too, on this, or at least I definitely did. Like about just, like that we're coming <laughs> from a teaching Like, it's just like we have so many years of being the overanalyzing, but because there is kind of nothing more fun than overanalyzing. On the other end, like going with that tweet, like I definitely like recently was like realizing I was like, I'm reading this article and it is literally saying nothing. Like, and it's not a, right. uh, this was, this was just like some random article about a horror movie or some exploitation movie. And reading it, I was like, there, there was no point to this existing. Like, except for maybe the DVD is coming out and they needed to shit out some sort of promotion for it. Like, yeah. like if it's just like, because I think what I read, I was like, oh, I just read a plot synopsis. That wasn't really <laughs> anything about it. And it's not that I need a billion uh, 
feel like you and I have been joking about this and like I've been joking about it with friend of the pod, John Murray, but like we don't need a billion necessarily like uh, post vulture like style yeah. of like uh, you thought Ishtar was bad, but actually it's the greatest movie you've ever seen. <laughs> style. I actually like Ishtar. But I yeah, love Ishtar. Like the That's the thing. Yeah. Like, but most of the time you're like, I don't know. You're clickbaiting me with this title, and and, oh, right. and yeah. you know, and we are both. I I like to think again, not patting ourselves on the back. We are both like willing to be like, I like that movie enough. I don't need to yeah, say it's not hyperbolic so much. Yeah, exactly. And like, no, not every movie is a lost gem. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's better than I thought it would be. On the other okay, end, okay, I'll cool it on spookies. Yeah, but no, I mean, I again, <laughs> we have been threatening to do spookies, <laughs> and it is happening. Uh, but I mean, that is the beauty. I mean, that's why. That's why. We like doing this the same way. We both like analyzing records. It's like it's not just a matter of just like I like this. I don't like this. I think this yeah. sounds good. I think this sounds bad. Like, it's exciting to find the fucking in-depth shit on it. And that's yeah. why also by talking about it for way too long, I can be in the same boat as you where I'm like, God, super fuss. Great movie. Yeah. Like, no, it's like, you know, went from the first time I watched it being like, what? this is not a Corbucci movie. What am I watching here? <laughs> And 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 also watching without nostalgia lens at all, really. Yeah. Like it helped or just like, no, it's fucking it's a fun, weird anecdote of a time, but also it is really weird in how it works. I, dude, if I would have seen this at six years old. Oh my god. Like, my god, my god. I kept thinking about this too. I was like, as I was watching it, I was like, I'm really enjoying this. I'm really enjoying it. But then I was imagining six-year-old me. I mean, I didn't have HBO or access to HBO at that time, but if I had seen it just on a whim on a Saturday mm-hmm. where I was doing nothing, I was like, I don't want to play Nintendo or whatever, and I was just watching it, it would have, like most of the horror films that I've watched, you know, yeah. uh, on like a Saturday matinee type of thing on TV, were just stuck with me. Like this movie would have been my favorite fucking movie at six years old. Oh it would have blown my mind. I mean, it's what Nora said. It's like you did, you unintentionally basically are watching some movies like a hundred times. You yeah, know, it's it's we've had it so many times. We've had so many times. Like for like when I was like, wait a second, have I watched Mannequin more than any movie? Like yeah. just because it literally would just be, and it's like whatever cycle you've gotten into, depending on your exact age exact times you would watch things like you know because i'm sure super fuzz played all the time but also at specific weird times when they had to fill in in between marquee titles that hbo would have right Um, it's like between it's like that 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 like between like after lunch and between dinner like that kind of like time where you're kind of like waiting for dinner and it just happens to be on exactly um that's the that's a golden hour i feel like for shit like that yeah yeah. Or late at night, like super late at night where you happen to be staying up late and you're like channel surfing and you're like, wait, what is this? <laughs> yes. I don't know, man. Super fun. It's 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 such a wild ride. I mean, I, I, I think yeah. we're basically at the end of our, our of what we've got to say about super fuzz. I mean, is there anything we missed? I love the gag of where he said there's illegal gambling going on. And I was expecting kind of like this kind of shady gambling thing, but they open it up and it's just a bunch of old rich white so people old. in tuxes, which is so funny to me. Yeah. Uh, I guess I think there's a movie where it's like about like a casino plane or whatever like that, where it's kind of like that, where just rich people are 
uh, gambling. But um, you mean the movie the that you Kelsey and I are Grammer. writing called Casino Played? <laughs> no, it's a real movie with Kelsey Grammer. What? I forgot what it's called. Yeah. Wait, uh, but is it called Casino Plane? <laughs> it's something like that. It, it's some, it was, yeah. But we're anyway, that title, <laughs> Casino Plane. Uh, I was just looking. Oh, uh, in the 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 scene where he's at the magician's house and the uh, the the henchmen come, mm-hmm. I wrote down uh, when hit that TV got on his head. I was like, oh damn, he got Ackroyd and Gross Point Blank. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Man, isn't it fun to think that so many of those things could have been like, yeah, I saw this movie Super Fuzz on HBO a billion times, and then I was like, like fucking, you know, uh, 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 in gross point blank. Maybe they stole that idea from Super Fuzz. Yeah, yeah. John Cusack was like, I remember watching this scene in Super Fuzz. Uh, could we use that? The thing we know about John Cusack, he loves The Clash. He loves yep. kickboxing and he loves, he loves Bernie. He loves Bernie and he loves super fuzz. <laughs> Pure Cusack. <laughs> oh, another scene that I thought uh, when, oh, the, speaking of like, oh God, I hope that actor's okay. When he's abusing his power, you know, during that Rosie <laughs> LaBouche scene and he like traps that guy when he's getting out of the car by his neck and then like oh. slams the door on his fingers. Yes. And I'm like, I know they probably put padding on there, but like, I- I'm hoping because I was like, I uh, just thinking about that actor having to be like choked. Yeah. Yeah. I, by... I We hope, but probably not. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I loved because I always have it on the brain because of the podcast that we do. Uh watching Ernest Borgnine because at the end they escape because uh, 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 Paul Speed has a stick of gum that he blows up into a giant bubble. Yes. And also in theory, I guess that makes his special power is that he can, I I mean, I guess he proved it before. He could change the consistency of it to become as strong as a weather balloon. Um, Again, at this point, you just got to go like this motherfucker can do anything. Uh, But Borgnine dancing on top of that balloon was so funny and also the trauma he is suffering frank at that (laughs) point he has been through so much he's an older man he has been on the beat for so many years he has watched his partner he he has thought he lost it he totally lost it he was hanging on for dear life and then all of a sudden was like I almost look at me look at me whippity doo I almost murdered my partner twice And And the woman I love turned out to be a traitor. And the woman I love was a counterfeiter. And I've banked a lot of my life on this one time. I like helped her out of a car or whatever his story was when he worked in the big pictures in Hollywood with Rosie LaBouche. (laughs) But yeah, like we are watching a man fall apart in front of our eyes like this is <laughs> he's lost it he has just lost it uh i don't know if we could do our usual canon bros theory of the entire movie is in his ptsd brain <laughs> but I, i'm sure we could find the lead if we had you know earlier on this podcast but it made me laugh really hard because it was so sad in a weird way <laughs> i think also a great gag is when he gets out of his body cast uh in the very but- good the body cast I s- empty was so scary it. looking. It looks like looks cool as hell. The little gag that he just has one little band-aid on his nose. <laughs> it reminded me of Dead and Buried, that that like yeah. terrifying scene oh. where you only see the guy's one eye and then the yes. that um beautiful nurse like 
fucking takes that syringe. Oh, yes. Yeah. But I, I think, um, uh, oh, I was going to say, yeah, he, he, what we're going to find out is that he was close to retirement and he got a bullet that put him in a coma. <laughs> and the last person, his partner on that scene was, uh, creeperson and <laughs> peepers he, McCreeperson. <laughs> yeah and that's why he imagined all this because it was yeah. a desire that he wanted but even his because of his insecurities he couldn't even put that those powers on himself he had to put it on his partner because he didn't think he was worthy of it the whole movie is like woolies altered states style <laughs> dead ringer or uh, not dead ringers flatliners like yeah. it's like that when you're on the edge of death and your body is sending all those crazy chemicals to your brain and yeah he's picturing this terrifying man who is maybe murdering people left and right with piercing blue eyes uh uh, uh and and that it's all his fault uh it, yeah. he, it, all of the insanity we're watching all the insanity of Paul Speed catching bullets in his gun or shooting bullets catching them okay, in his good. gun Good oh, also, know. Jeff, I think uh, if people are kind of uncertain about like what you're talking about as far as like the look that kind of creeps you out, definitely the scene where he catches the bullet in his teeth, Oof. that look he gives, and when he's electrocuting, like we said earlier, when he's electrocuting the other people when he's in the chair and he's <laughs> yes. making those faces, I think that's a good example of like, Ugh. yeah. Although I was like, is that the first time we've done a bullet caught in the mouth? <laughs> I was like, there's got to oh, be. A I was wondering of it that before. too. Yeah. Because it's been used so many times yeah. as a kind of a joke. Again, um, super fuss, super powerful. And it's, I also, I did love that. Cause like his girlfriend, who you don't realize they're so intense with each other because he's like threatening to marry her. Uh, and he's going to force her to marry him while he freezes her and attacks her. Um, uh, that she doesn't want him to have superpowers. And he's just kind of like, this is what I do. I have to have them. Um, that at the end, when they get married, uh oh. We got a Mary Jane Watson here. She oh, yeah, dyed yeah. her hair red and she might as well have said, You don't know what you're in for, Tiger, or whatever the fuck Mary Jane's first line is. I'm blanking <laughs> yeah, on yeah. it. Um, but yeah, he realizes that she has dyed her hair red, although not the sharpest reds. Uh, in, a, in a genre that's known for its sharp, sharp reds in blood, uh, <laughs> it's a odd muted. They sh- probably should have bleached her hair before they did that dye, but. Uh, and then he looks at the camera with, for the last time, those piercing, disgusting blue eyes <laughs> with, with a look that only could say, you burnt, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looked like um, Lindsey Buckingham a little bit, too. He did look a little bit. Like, that is, he does, he's a weird mashup of Franco Nero and Lindsey Buckingham Holiday Road solo album era. Yeah, like yep. um, uh, almost bought tickets to see him. By the way, in December. <laughs> I mean, we'll see if I did it sell out or just haven't done it yet. <laughs> I just haven't done it yet because yeah. I just spent a bunch of money on because uh, my wife uh, really wanted to go see Alanis Morissette and Garbage and right. Liz Fair. Yeah. at the Hollywood Bowl, I want to see that too. But it 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 was a little more than I wanted to spend. <sighs> That's the thing. It's just like I mean, fucking you know, Primus playing Rush. I was like. Well, Maybe, oh, yeah. and then King Crimson's playing, and I was like, oh, yeah. well, maybe I got to make that happen. And then, I mean, the biggest one is, I already said, uh, Phil Collins is my favorite band. What? But Genesis, Genesis. I mean, I almost, yeah. I mean, but those tickets are like 200 something for the cheap seats, and I'm like, 
Phil's not even standing up. <laughs> like he's got so many back <laughs> issues. It's not even Chester playing drums. Ugh, yeah. money. But yeah, uh, Lindsey oh, Buckingham speaking- at that time does have a creepiness that he has because it's like right when like it feels like he was trying to reevaluate a lot of things in his life. Maybe oh, yeah. maybe try to get a little sober, but not really. Uh, you know. Uh, and you, what that happens is you end up having a super fuzz look on your face. What were we gonna say, Frank? Speaking of King Crimson, have you been seeing Robert Fripp and his wife do those YouTube covers? They are quite a lovely couple. <laughs> <laughs> it's so wild. It I, I kind of love totally it. Totally wild. Yeah. Um, is, um, is there anything else we missed? I just wanted to say that he made that dog win at the dog track. Why didn't he just get rich off of that? I mean, totally illegal what he did. Let's put it on the list of like he uh, needs to. He's juicing the horse, you know, like that guy. (laughs) Like he has got to not be a cop. He needs accountability. We need a cam on him for fixing dog races. Um, Also, oddly, the one where they I was it was a little unclear if he did actually fix it. I was like, I guess we're supposed to assume he did, but they didn't really speed up the footage or anything. Like, and, you know, oh, they've right. set up a pattern of sped up footage or some sort of camera trick. And it was just like, oh, he's good. I guess he's doing it. And then they went super, super. Uh, which also, <laughs> by the way, I forgot to say, would throw me off every time because it reminded me of, me and my wife talk about this all the time, the Seinfeld theme. But there was one episode, I can't remember what the name of that episode was, but there's one where they added vocals in. And it was, be- oh, yeah, right. and it's the one where like Larry David thought that they needed vocals. And I think it really does only last for one episode, but it goes, skew, it a beat. <laughs> like it's just all this yeah. scatting that comes in. And it's so <laughs> close when they go, super, super, it a beat. <laughs> Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Well, his name is Seinfeld <laughs> and he's telling some jokes. <laughs> he's got his friends around and he's living in New York. Bad. Here comes Kramer coming through that door. There's George. He's paranoid. Here comes new man. The classic theme we all love. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, really threw me off like every time. But yeah, the only way I knew that they had fixed that dog race and he had done another illegal act was that I think we got a super snooper there. Um is Snooper like I that was another thing I wanted to ask. Oh okay. Now I'm thinking of all these things I want to talk about. But first, Ernest Borgnine loses his mind, jumps through, he catches him. The other part I have a problem with, here comes a snowflake again. <laughs> Where do they go? Where do they bury through that old joke? Going to China, baby. Yeah. Where he can't use his powers because it's a lot of red because of the communism, right? Oh, look at this layer. Was there red? Are you adding that in? No, it was because I remember they had the communist yeah, star you're and stuff. Right. Oh my god! But it was one of those things being like, uh, yeah, okay. Keep that snowflake layer on too, because that just reminded me that we said that that uh, uh, that the woman talking about her dog being her husband uh, was the a D height, and when they go to the next guy, <laughs> but I did forget that that next guy who is an African American man uh, says, mm-hmm. "I don't know. I know he's going to be meeting the number one honky." <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> Which is a so, so of the time line. <laughs> absolutely, like Jack and yep. Sucker. And yeah. Uh, but so that leads me to mm-hmm. is Snooper a term for a cop? Oh. In Italy. Maybe. Like, is that a. Maybe. Because I was. Because I'm going to be like, yeah, fucking Snoopers. Yeah. Like, I. Right. Like, it could. I mean, or, yeah, could be Italy, could be. Um, could be just an of the time like like it does connect to like the number one honky 
like sort of thing where it's yeah. just like, okay, we're definitely in 1979 um, uh, with that term. Uh, but hey, these snoopers say they're, they're harassing me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I think because also like, I don't know. I, I, I am wondering if snooper is like I've talked about before, but like Sergio Leone's duck you sucker. Uh, uh, right. where Coburn, I believe, James Coburn is saying duck you sucker all the time in it, where he's like a guy who's... It's a translation thing. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it, it's either someone told him or he thought that duck you sucker was a phrase that Americans said all the time. And then it, yeah. after it was like, no one says that. But now you've got him saying like 20 times. But yeah, is it an Italian thing? If if anyone has the answer, this is definitely one I would love to know the answer to, too. Because Snooper just, is it just because it worked well? Is it just like... Um, uh, uh, you know, there's this song I'm obsessed with lately that my friend Mike Pace, uh, who did Runway Train episode, uh, sent me going back to Phil Collins, but a Philip Bailey song called Chinese Wall. And it's supposed oh, to be yeah. about the Great Wall of China, but I'm thinking that the songwriters were just like, Great Wall of China has too many symbols or syllables. <laughs> like, I'm just going to call yeah. it China Chinese Wall because it's a quicker chorus and you listen to it and you're like i love this song and still feels a little questionable there's just something about that rhythm yeah um I'm, oh philip oh, bailey man, good god shit. damn it that album is so good and that song is so good yeah. but yeah snooper let us know if you know anything people we would love to know that is there anything else i mean i think we've got <laughs> we, that's the thing it has so much that you're just like oh let's not forget about this oh let's not forget about that yeah i yeah yeah i just want to say that i really love this movie i had a lot of fun watching it i'm really glad that chris picked this so thank you chris yeah. chris really appreciate this it. was so good i you know what i realized and maybe we i might even we should have gotten his could have been a canon rating, but uh, oh, right. maybe next time we'll get it. Uh, but so this is, of course, the part where we give our canon rating, which is out of one of 10 canons. How many cans? This, of course, is not a canon film, but it could have been a canon. So, Frank, how many canons do you think this non-canon film would be? Oh, man, uh, I would say like a six or a seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's got a lot, a lot of elements in it. Yep. I mean, so many elements of like the actors, the the tone, like where it's a little slightly off, like it's comedy, but it's like a little slightly off that comedy. It's kind of like of its time, but it's still fun and enjoyable. And I think that like the only thing, if they would have made that strip scene like even sleazier, or if they would have made had a little bit more violence to it, it would have gotten a higher rating on the canon scale. Right. Uh, yeah, I think this definitely does feel like a canon, though. It does. I think I think it's and it's something I think Chris mentioned in his intro too. It feels like uh, an old school, like that kind of Wild West like era of uh, to go to spaghetti westerns again. But before that, before canon got into its like kind of bread and butter for a while, which still, when we say a canon bread and butter means they still made like 20 other movies that weren't the genre. But like, this is like when they're not just doing the Norrises and the Bronson, this is when you're like, oh, you guys really do everything. Um, uh, yeah. And this would definitely be a the canon group uh, uh, era. You know yeah. I mean? Before the logos really come in, um, uh, could, if you even told me it was a, some carryover title that they had from the acquisition, the original acquisition that they were carrying over, um, if you also told me this was an Italian remake of an Israeli film, 
I totally would have yeah. been like, oh, yeah, you guys did this <laughs> like in 1976. Sure. That totally makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm going to go six as well. Uh, uh, six, maybe seven. Kind of the same deal. Yeah, man. Oh, I forgot a funny line that one of the henchmen says about it is if he was a singer and evangelist, he couldn't remember, but he saw him on TV. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of good yeah. lines in right. here, man. Yeah, we could just yeah. keep going and going. It really does go I know, on I know. forever. Yeah, we, we'll, we're already over. We're just going to be a long That's episode. That's how we but yeah, do. We, uh, yeah. But yes, yeah, so again, thank you, Norris. This was so awesome to do this one. I hope you enjoyed it, but I also hope everyone yeah. else enjoyed it. Uh, uh, of course, if you're listening to this uh, in June going into July to date it, you are listening to it most likely on the Patreon because you're a Patreon member. This is our early mm-hmm. release. Uh, but uh, if not, then you're listening after and you're listening to it beyond the paywall. And you might want to think about joining into the paywall at patreon.com backslash the canon canon because mm-hmm. we're going to continue to have early access. Could have been a cans. And again, we've been threatening it for a while, but we are we're most likely going to be seeing each other for the first time really in person like next week. And we're going to start doing some next week. extra stuff. We're gonna do a. We're gonna have a return guest, and we're gonna be recording some extra stuff for the. Yeah, Patreon. we're gonna do some commentaries. I'm also thinking of doing a couple like uh, uh, unboxing soundtrack reviews. I've been looking at Discogs for that dangerously close soundtrack, oh, yeah. and I think I might, uh, if I get a copy, I'm gonna do a little uh, little video for that. That's just for the Patreon. Whatever fun things that's we're awesome. thinking about uh, to make some extras for yeah. you. But we appreciate it as always. And if you're listening to this on the free stream, of course we appreciate you baby um but frank where else can people find us on twitter and instagram at the canon canon second canon has one in and you can email us at the canon canon at gmail.com yes you can so until next week i'm jeff garlock and i'm frank garcia hale and this is the, the canon canon Oh, wait, another thing I forgot about Super Fuzz is... Oh, I can't. we got to stop. Super, super. Well, his name is Seinfeld, and he's telling some jokes. He's got his friends around, and he's living in New York. Here comes Kramer coming through that door. There's George. He's paranoid. Here comes Newman. man. <laughs>